Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Chase Doesn't Know podcast. Thank you for downloading this episode. This episode, my guest is my new friend, AJ Fletcher, a beast of a man, let me tell you. It was a pleasure to meet him, to hear about how he got into the MMA game, how his professional career has been going so far, and to ask him a little bit about his next fight, which is at the end of August. I believe you'll be listening to this on August 23rd. He is fighting in the UFC Contender Series on August 31st. You can watch it on ESPN Plus, apparently. I will certainly be watching it and cheering for him. As someone who is a big fan of UFC, MMA, but doesn't know much about striking or wrestling or fighting in general, uh, it was really cool to hear from someone who is a pro on what it's like to train, to get the mindset, to overcome challenges, to push yourself past what you think you're capable of. Uh, It was really great. I really enjoyed meeting AJ and uh, hearing about his journey and what he's been up to and where he wants to go. So without further ado, here is AJ, the ghost Fletcher. I know you're busy well, the next couple of weeks are going to be real busy, and, and you seem to stay busy all the time. But uh, thanks for making the time on your way back to Lafayette uh, to chill with me. Yeah, no and problem. it's very nice to meet you. Um, there's just like so many questions I want to ask and like hear about, and just all the stuff you're doing is it's a foreign world to me. So I'm super pumped about this. Um, but why don't you kind of tell me? I guess the the cool thing tell me where you're at at the moment and like what's coming up for you yes yeah, so at, at the moment um i've had i've had eight pro fights and um you know going through those eight fights i've i've been fortunate enough to attract attention of the ufc um and basically i'm not i'm not in the ufc yet but what i have a sh- what i have is a shot so i basically what in two weeks on august 31st i'm gonna go in there in front of dana white um and the two matchmakers for the ufc and I'm fighting a guy from Italy, and basically it's like a really physical job interview, I guess. <laughs> nice. um, I'm going to go out there and do my thing, and at the end of the night, Dana sits down all, there's uh, five fights, so usually the five winners are sitting in chairs, and he goes through the list and you know, evaluates their performance, and based off of that, he can give you a contract or he can give you some feedback or whatever to, to kind of let you know what you need to do to get into that level. But, yeah, basically I've got a, I've got a shot at getting into the UFC, um, August 31st and that's what we're getting ready for cool and fighting some guy from Italy yeah yeah that's that's I assume that's the first person outside of the U.S. that you're gonna fight yeah for sure that should be interesting for sure that's uh pretty cool to me that I get to fight somebody from yeah across the globe so the so I like most people I'm a like a UFC fan MMA fan but I know nothing of the intricacy or the inner workings of the fighting or also of the business and everything so um tell me a little bit about like what the process is. So you said it's like a job interview kind of, but so if you win, you get into the UFC or like if he offers you a contract, what does that mean? Like what's the step from there? Okay. So if I win, it's, it's not even necessarily if I win, I've seen people get contracts, you know, just from having going out there and having a war and both guys get contracts. I've also seen people that have won and not gotten contracts. So it's more of a discretionary thing, I guess. But usually what you see who gets who people who get contracts are people who go out there and 
have either a war and a great fight or just very clean finishes, but it's almost unanimous that you have to not let it go to decision. You have to go out there and you have to get a finish. And I finished seven out of my eight fights, so I'm, you know, hoping that my style uh, that generally lends itself towards finishes will, will go in there and, you know, continue to do that. Um, as far as what happens after that, you, I won't go too into the contracts. I don't know exactly how everybody's works, but generally you go into um, a multi-fight deal with the UFC. Okay. Um, pay starts out at a very general scale that most everybody gets whenever they go in there, and then it slowly works its way up in increments. And then after that four-fight contract, usually around fight number three in some cases, or after the four, fourth fight itself, um, people go ahead and renegotiate contracts and okay. stuff from there. So it's kind of like you, once you get invited, you're kind of joining the league, I mm -hmm. guess, per se. And then from there, because I, I just hear about Dana's always saying stuff like, oh, we got this great matchup, and like we're going to see who matches up. So you're in the league, but then they're still kind of picking your fights for you based on who matches up well? Um, what do you mean? Like as far as after the contender, once you get in there? Right. Or they so they they give you a list of names usually, okay. or you can kind of you see guys nowadays like using their their post fight speech as like a call out speech almost. Right, right, right. That's one way of kind of calling your shot. But uh, usually they'll either give you a name or a list of names, um, and you have. I think it's up to like three fights. You can say no. I don't know why people say no, but apparently you can still do that. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's like business reasons why yeah. and all that, but. Um, if you, yeah, you have usually about like three fight offers and you can kind of choose from, okay. from there. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Um, now take this with a grain of salt. I'm not in yet. Right. So right. Yeah. I'm just curious just... of how the whole, the whole deal works. So tell me about your eight fights so far that you've done. Um, is that that's eight fights at the professional level, right? So how do you get, what was your journey to get to that? Yeah. So, uh, I had a pretty, pretty long amateur career by, I mean, by most standards, I guess, or maybe it's about, it's about average from the gym that I come from. Um, I had 10 amateur fights um, and some kickboxing experience, some ju uh, local jujitsu tournaments and stuff like that too. Um, 10 amateur fights and then after the 10th one, I turned pro right around pretty much when I graduated college. There was a little bit of overlap for two fights um, where I was still taking classes and all. Um, but as far as like the whole process of it, the pros and the amateurs around here, most of them compete on the same shows. So usually how the shows go is, um, a lot of the cards will get uh, maybe 10 amateur fights and that'll carry through from the beginning to mostly to the end of the night. There'll be like a little break and then there's usually like two or three professional fights at the end. Okay. So pros and amateurs are kind of mixed in all in the same shows. Okay. Is that um, like a Louisiana thing or is that a Lafayette thing? No, or? it's like mostly, mostly how it is around the country. Um, then there's, then you get into the next kind of step. Um, is like the regional kind of shows, I would say. And these are the ones that you see usually on UFC Fight Pass. Um, okay. Over the past few years, it's become more obvious that um, the UFC is using basically the, the shows on UFC Fight Pass that they've granted their, their platform for these shows to. These are kind of like the minor leagues essentially now, okay. or the AAA of, of MMA. Um, and I guess you can consider the local shows around AA or something like that. So around... Not every pro fight is on the regional scene on the UFC Fight Pass, and you know not everyone's at the the level where they're not streamed or they're just kind of the local shows. But you generally get some experience through those two things. Um, you want to usually have two or three or a couple fights at least on um, a UFC Fight Pass show. So there's some video out there for the UFC to have and all that. Mm -hmm. um, and as you kind of just progress up there, 
I guess. You start, you know, getting the attention of the bigger organizations if you do well. Um, as far as me, my first four, first, first six fights were on a lot of the local shows, and then I've been uh, on UFC Fight Pass now for two fights in a row. Um, and after those two fights, I guess they saw what they, you know, wanted to see, and now we got our shot. Gotcha. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so go back let's go back to like how you started or when were you just like always fighting kids in the in the in the playground uh, at recess and stuff like that growing up (laughs) no man I think the most you could say I fought really was with my brothers when I was little but um I never really was one to like fight at school I was always played other sports right and I knew that if you get in a fight or if you get in something at school you can't play those other sports and you know having parents that are coaches or just being a in a leadership position a lot of times on those teams, however serious you want to call a team captain or whatever it is, I just didn't want to miss those games. So a lot of times, like, that was always in the back of my head. And right. I'm just outside of the cage. I'm not generally super confrontational. Um, so, yeah. So you're not, like, a bar fighter or nothing? Like no, street no. Okay. I did bounce at a bar, which, you know, has its interesting times for sure. But, <laughs> uh, no, I just – that's not – so what, so what was the, I mean, when was the first time you went in a gym or like learned martial arts or? Yeah. So at the end of my senior year of high school, it started kind of getting obvious that, um, I wasn't going to be, have an opportunity to go play college football at, at the next level. Okay. And I wanted somewhere to put that kind of competitive, you know, spirit, always kind of followed the UFC, always kind of been a fan, never tried it out. Um, just went and took a class and liked it and kept doing it. And what class was, what kind of class was it? It was a, so the UFC gym over here on Sherwood and it it was there and it was with, I think it was with Thomas Webb uh, at the time, who's a good buddy of mine now. Okay. And, uh, it was just like a bag class, like work out, do pushups, do some body weight stuff, hit a bag, learn some combinations, just like that. Cool. And you were just like hooked from there. Yeah. For the most part, I went back for a couple more classes there and then there was a, a gym called Russell Jones's kickboxing over on what is that? Tiger Bend. Okay. Um, right by Parkview mm-hmm. and yep. went and started taking some classes there and they had a little bit more like sparring and a little bit more, um, I could learn groundwork and stuff there too. And I started training there with a few guys and did that for about a year and had two like amateur kickboxing fights or one was a tournament. So I guess four amateur kickboxing fights and um, did that for a year and then moved on over to Lafayette on the advice of somebody who I was training with down there um, that said kind of, hey, if you want to, you know, really go for the MMA thing, mm-hmm. um, you got to, you know, pack up and, and kind of go to one yet. of these. Yeah, go to one of these gyms and kind of did some research on Tim and Dim down there and, you know, went and tried it out. So, all right. So the, it's kind of a long uh, jump from taking a class at a gym to getting in the ring with somebody and fighting them. Yeah, so sure. what was that? How did you get to that point where you just like going to classes, liking it? And then somebody was like, man, you're pretty good. You should like actually do a fight Was that kind of the impetus or were you like wanting to get in the ring with somebody and actually see if you're good? I'd say the progress. Well, I always wanted to do, I always wanted to at least know what it felt like to compete in it for sure. Just coming from that competition background, yeah. I definitely wanted to know. And it is a big step, but um, any good, you'll have plenty of sparring experience before you go into like an actual fight. And if you are doing a actual fight, usually for me, it was in a, in the same gym I trained in, in a little inner gym, basically inner squad scrimmage between gyms. Okay. Um, and so it was a 
decent step, but I had had some, I'd been punched and sparring and all that. You kind of build yourself up to it and then okay. you still have the headgear on, you still have the big gloves and all that. But I knew kind of going into it that I wanted to at least try it out. You yeah. Know? So do you remember the first time you got punched straight in the face? I do. I do. Well, I like? remember the first time I sparred, I got dropped with a liver shot right here. And it oh. just felt like your, your, all the wind just goes out of your body and just is Dang. somewhere out there, just not, not coming back. And you just collapse. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like an off button. Really? Yeah. That's wild. It's weird, dude. Um, but my first fight, I remember it was versus a guy who had a, a good bit of kickboxing fights and was coming down from New Orleans. And I remember somebody telling me, hey, yeah, dude, this guy's about to go pro bef like before the fight. And I was like, <laughs> right before oh, you step shit. in with him? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> shit. So, uh, but yeah, we ended up, I ended up winning and all. I guess you can win a, a smoker fight. I don't really know. They're more <laughs> like just get the experience, yeah, not really okay. about the wins and losses. But uh, I had a good, good little fight with it. It's still on YouTube on my dad's channel. Of, nice. And yeah, no, I know the guy now. I know Lionel. It was the first guy I fought. So and, did you uh, beat him though? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Okay. Yeah, probably. You looked so. better than him. We'll say. I think so. Maybe. <laughs> I think so. Uh, but Lionel, no, Lionel's legit. Lionel's a really good. Uh, so really you good started. Uh, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm kind of peripherally, whatever that word is, familiar with the sport, mm -hmm. but I don't know all the ins and outs of the fighting. But, you know, I, for the layman, I do know that there's stand-up boxing, there's kicking, mm -hmm. or, you know, the whole striking thing, and then there's the wrestling, uh, the wrestling aspect too, and then, of course, all the mix in between. But right. so when you started at your first, like the first six months of you kind of training, what were you doing there? Cause you didn't know any, you didn't know any technique at that point. Right. Is that right? Yeah. No, I knew okay. nothing. Knew absolutely nothing. So what was like the first kind of things you, you were learning? Carl's basically, back here hitting buttons for us. <laughs> ding. Uh, basically it was, um, it was bag work. It was learning combinations on the bag. I remember there was a Boss Rutten CD. Do you know who Boss Rutten is? I've heard that name. He's like an old school. He used to do something called pancreation. And basically he would go out there and Boss is an absolute G. Uh, but he would go out there in like these Speedos and these big high boots. <laughs> and it looked like pro wrestling. But you could actually do punches. And I forget the act, like the technical rule set. But you could do punches and submissions. Okay. Um, and he had this CD he made. And it would tell, it would call out combinations like jab, oh, cross, okay. liver hook. He's like a Dutch guy, so he's got this accent. <laughs> liver hook, head kick. So I, <laughs> my coach would put those on, and I'd do those a whole bunch. Um, and then just like these, uh, just straight punch drills, like on the timer, do straight punches for a minute, hooks for a minute, uppercuts for a minute. Um, did a lot of that. Then every once in a while, whenever like there would be guys in there who were kind of advanced and stuff. Uh, we would do some sparring and all that. Um, and the, that sparring is just kind of like the boxing kind of. Yeah, okay. sparring. Yeah. Well, we did kickboxing too, so we did okay. kicks and all that. Um, as far as the groundwork, though, there was a couple mats that we could put out. And a few of them had grappling experience. One guy was a purple belt, which is like midway between white belt and black belt. Okay. Um, and he would kind of show some stuff. But it was real just like kind of thrown together and we would sometimes me and the dude who uh who was like my main kind of training partner we would find uh this shout out to patrick stone if you're listening bro but uh <laughs> we would go find like some stuff we knew on youtube or basically just try to choke each other and see what we could figure out really yeah that was probably the first six months to a year um and then eventually i don't know how but i got a key so i would just go in there late after school or um late or early in the morning or whatever and just 
throw on some music and just hit the bag and do shadow boxing drills and cool. jump rope and so you uh, so after high school you went to college mm-hmm. and where where you went where did you go I went to LSU my freshman year and then transferred to UL from then on out okay so you and you went for four years uh four and a half technically I okay I, I did too so you were so you were training during did you have a fight an amateur fight during that time like where I think you mentioned it earlier but where was the overlap to where you were really serious into pursuing this but then also in school oh from the from the time I knew going down to Lafayette it was in my head like I was treating MMA like it was like my college sport okay I wouldn't get the recognition I wouldn't get the scholarship I'd still have to work and all but this was it was like that was like my side thing it was school and and MMA I wasn't like uprooting my life and all without having that kind of I don't know that focus I get whatever you want to call it like that was my purpose in moving to Lafayette um, so as far as like when I was taking it serious as soon as I went to Lafayette it was all right I'm gearing towards an amateur fight and then when that happened it just kind of snowballed and just kept taking over to where everything I would do kind of centered around yeah around that cool um as far as was there another part no that, that was it I just wanted to see so you went freshman year uh, out of high school freshman year at LSU mm-hmm. and then somebody told you like, if you really want to do this, you got to go to this gym in Lafayette. What gym is the one that you're at in Lafayette? Uh, it's at Gladiators Academy. Okay. HQ. They have three locations. They have one in Youngsville and some other ones around. So. Cool. So how long um, have you been there now since you moved to Lafayette? I guess it's going on, I probably moved there in 2016. Going on five, six years. Okay. It's 2016 yeah. is when you moved over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So back to, the, back to the fighting. When did you uh, start introducing the wrestling aspects like or and what all do you do and i mean i all i mean like i said i don't know much all i kind of have here hear about is the jujitsu is that kind of the bulk of the wrestling techniques in mma or are there others i would say i'd say this i'd say wrestling for the most part is the art of getting the fight from standing to the ground there's a, there's some other disciplines but wrestling in general is kind of that okay and maybe a bit of like staying on top Jiu-jitsu is like the part mostly there's I mean this there's a lot of overlap and stuff but mostly jujitsu is when it's submissions and it's good for when you're getting off of your back there's it, it's good on top too when you when you're on top of somebody but that's kind of generally a good way to think about it okay um as far gladiators is actually a jujitsu school so as far as when i started doing groundwork and stuff over there jujitsu was it was kickboxing and muay thai and jujitsu and that's kind of as soon as I started, that's kind of what we did. Okay. Um, coming from my base, I was a little bit naive and and um, not giving jujitsu, jujitsu and grappling that deep dive. I gave uh, striking for the whole first year I was training. So mm-hmm. it took me up until I took, you know, two amateur losses or three amateur losses really from being taken down uh, to okay. to kind of go and dive super deep into that part. Um, but it was always from the jump, like as soon as you go to Gladiators, you're, if you're trying to do MMA, you're usually doing jiu-jitsu and, and MMA. Okay, gotcha. And they kind of they combine it all to prep you for it. Um, so what was the, when was your first amateur fight that was 
officially i don't know however they did it like officially sanctioned or whatever uh when you somebody was it somebody that you didn't know going into it mm-hmm. okay when was that yeah so i moved down to lafayette um july of 2016 and then i had my first amateur fight if i'm correct september of 2016 okay cool So i was there about three months and then so was there a training was there a specific you know you hear about the boot camps was there a specific boot camp you did for that or was the amateur more so you just kind of getting out and and testing skills I would say it's, uh, it was more, you're so young in your career, dude. It's, it's, there's, it's less about like the camps and all that. And it's just more about trying to like drink from the fire hose in your classes okay. and learn all the techniques and sharpen your techniques. Um, there was no real technique. It was just, I'm going to, I'm going to take classes, you know, five, six times a week, if, if not more. Yeah. And I'm doing some running on the side and stuff like that. That okay. was kind of the, the gist of it, I guess. Gotcha. So you were going full-time class schedule and were you, were you having to uh, work at a job also? Yeah. What were you working during? What were you doing oh, then? God. The first one I got, <laughs> the first one I was stocking produce at Rouse's. Okay. Um, and I told him from the jump, man, I told him from the jump, look, I can't work weekends. I go back. I see my family on the weekends. Uh, I have studying to do like weekdays, whatever, dude. We can work together, whatever. But they, they scheduled me like two or three weekends in a row. And then finally I was like, all right, look, bro, I got to find <laughs> something else. Uh, so I did that. And then... Um, was driving around looking for another job and actually so I was on a job hunt after I decided to leave that yeah decided to go like try to find go on a little job hunt I went to Home Depot I think I went to Lowe's none of them were were hiring or anything so I was driving around Lafayette and went to go try to find somewhere to eat and they had this like now open sign in front of a place called Zorba's down there it's a little Greek restaurant Um, and it's kind of subway style you kind of there's like the little bar you go kind of you know and uh I ended up working there at the little Greek restaurant. They actually, I don't know, they, they asked me, I was just there to eat and they asked me if I wanted a job and I was like, that's literally what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the job. That worked out. Yeah, so I'd work there two days a week behind the register, um, just enough to kind of like pay rent and help with bills and stuff. Yeah. And then uh, from then on out, Tim, my coach, opened a place called I Love Kickboxing down there. Um, and I went and helped them put in mats and, and all that and help them set up whenever they were kind of first outfit in the place and he offered me a job um, cool. when I was helping down there and taught kickboxing and now I just do private lessons and teach kids That's okay it. sweet so you get to do you, you're able to do lessons to make the money that you need are you still doing that now yeah okay yeah. cool yeah that was a whole that's a whole nother question maybe I'll, I'll come back to it I'm curious how that works but um so the the first fight the first amateur fight mm-hmm. I guess which was not the sparring not the enter whatever gym but the first actual fight where you're getting in to fight somebody what's your mindset what's your headspace leading up to that I mean you've never you, have, did you get in any fights in school before not really I got punched but I just I had a game that day so I just ate it my nose was bleeding and I just kind of like <laughs> well that sucks <laughs> but uh, yeah dude no I I don't really remember, bro. I, uh, I'm trying to think you get so much adrenaline and everything goes so fast and you're not, you're, you're not used to your brain sending signals that fast that everything's just kind of a, a blur at that point, really? at that point. Um, I'm trying to think though, I'm sure I was like super nervous. Uh, I remember after mm-hmm. I remember after okay. for sure. Um, I fought a dude who had, I think one or two, maybe three fights. And, uh, I ended up knocking him out with the right hand. Um, what did that feel like? I was tired, bro. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know how to conserve energy. I didn't. Everything. I do remember this. All the techniques and stuff I learned completely went out the window. Really? You just. I. I was throwing just the wildest right overhands. 
repeatedly over and over <laughs> again. Um, but it got the job done. And after I remember, I just had, I hardly, I didn't really get hit. I got hit maybe once or twice and not super hard, not super clean. And I remember I had the worst headache and like could not catch my breath for the mm. longest time and come to find out it's like that's adrenaline dump your body gets so much adrenaline from not being used to that and you not knowing how to handle it and you know breathe through it and talk yourself through it that your body just gets so overwhelmed and it literally took me like 45 minutes to like dang come down and finally be able to like sit up and like walk around and i remember that night uh my, like my lungs and all that were man it was it was rough that's that wild. Rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were, so did you know whenever you threw that, I know there's been, a, you've had a lot of fights since this one, but mm -hmm. so I won't talk about those, but when you threw that punch, did you know like you were, you were connecting with him and he was knocked out and gone? Oh, I, so in the first, I had him on his heels in the first round. Like I had wobbled him pretty good and pretty much knocked him down, ended up on top and was finishing with ground and pound and stuff. And then the bell rings and I'm freaking gassed at this point. So After I'm the like, first round, yeah, really? I'm like, really? I know he's messed up. And I remember Tim, my coach, he'll like slap you in the face if you're like kind of like zoned <laughs> out in the corner. So he pops me in the face. I'm like, whoa, wake up. And uh, I ended up going to do the same thing and like hitting him with some hard shots. And then the ref let it go a while, man. Like I was ground and pound and probably like 20 30 something shots really yeah dude. so you took him down and you were on top? I, I ended up knocking him down i hit him with oh, another okay. hard right hand and he kind of wobbled and like took a knee and then i kind of like went on top of him and started okay. going from there yeah um but as man yeah going from round one to round two kind of after i had him wobbled my mindset I don't know. I was just hoping I could hit him with the right hand before I gassed myself out trying to throw yeah, the right hand. Right. Um, and it worked out. So yeah. that's cool. Um, uh, so tell me about the first professional fight that you had. First pro fight. That was war. That was probably the first like war I really got into, I think. Um, and how many how many fights uh, total had you done up until the first pro fight? I already did 10. 10. So ten. you had 10 amateur and then profile okay mm -hmm. got it i had i had had some ones that were you know back and forth fights that were really close um but a lot of that was like in the grappling as terms of like doing damage to him and him doing damage to me and both of us just kind of standing there trading that was the first one and i remember this one dude it was up in monroe it was versus a guy named dan street and he hits hard as a mac truck mm. and the mat dude the mat so there's there's two or three kind of um surfaces the the rings around here are made of they're either like a a vinyl kind of thing, almost like, uh, I don't know what it would feel like. Just almost like some of the, the, I don't know, just, you know, vinyl. It's like, uh, is it kind of rough a little bit? No, not really. There's okay. some, there's some that's textured. That's the other kind. Okay. There's some that's just smooth though. And, um, this one was like the super smooth vinyl. They also have some that's canvas that has the, the best grip, the, okay. the textured vinyl yeah. or whatever. But this was just the smooth vinyl. And for whatever reason, before any sweat, before anybody had even go, gone on it, just walking around, feeling around the ring before, it was so slippery, dude. Like, if I would try to, like, plant or throw a kick, you were, you were toast. Really? So going into the fight, you kind of have this idea that, okay, movement is not going to be nearly as easy. Uh, throwing kicks is not going to be nearly as easy. Um, just stuff like that. So that takes out tools and you're left with, you're left with a boxing fight almost, unless you, you, you know, you do groundwork and all that. Yeah. Um, and I remember me and him were basically, if we were on the feet, we were having to trade just in the pocket and, uh, he busted up my nose pretty good and I busted up his jaw, I think. And, and, you know, his eye and all that. And, um, it was back and forth. I think the first round I probably won 
the second round, he had some good flurries in the beginning, and then I kind of came back and started stealing it at the end. Um, and then the third round came out, and uh, I remember like, I don't know, I was feeling good. Like I remember it was in his hometown, so I probably shouldn't have done this, but I was walking around with my hands <laughs> up like after the round and yeah. all that. Um, like that's real important in fights. Like people don't realize that communication, language is the last form of communication that humans or people have developed. And before that it was, you know, body posture. It was, it was movement. It was uh, pheromones and hormones that dogs can smell still and all this. So it's very, for me, it's very important to, in a fight to control your body posture, control your breathing, all of mm -hmm. that, control all these signs. Um, so I was doing that before the round and the, or after round two. And then before round three, I got up early off my stool and was like going around trying to get everybody hyped up. And, uh, they did. It was, it was a cool, cool little moment. And then round three happens. I think we both kind of trade some shots. I start landing a little bit. Um, and then I remember on the, we were clinched up, so we were grappling a little bit. Mm -hmm. And at the, whenever that stops and you kind of go apart, you yeah. call that the, the break. Right. The ref separates you. Yeah. Well, not, not even the ref, just whenever for us. Oh, whenever you push apart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah kind so of, yeah. I remember we did that against the cage and I noticed, um, I almost landed a right hand. I was like, oh man, that's gonna be there, but it's not there. So we clinch up again, and then I throw, like I ended up throwing and landing the right hand, and he drops, and I get on top, and almost gas myself out with ground and pound, <laughs> and then like recollect myself, start grappling, put myself in a better spot, and then finished him, ground and pounded like two or three minutes into the third round. And um, then a ref stopped it. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. That so, was the debut. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, sorry, so there's so many questions I wanna ask you because it's like, I mean, you're kind of talking me through the different things and I'm kind of following what's happening and everything, but I'm, I'm curious of when you're in the moment, like when the, before the first round starts, mm -hmm. do you enter, whenever the ref says fight, uh, do you have a game plan at that moment of, I'm gonna do like this combination and this kick and then 30 seconds in, I'm gonna try to take him down. And like, do you have a plan like that or do you kind of figure it out when you're in the ring? So I'll describe fighting it like this. It's like a puzzle you have to paint, right? So you, you know what pieces may be there going into a fight. You know where certain openings may be. You know where your good spots are. You know where your bad spots are, and you know where his good spots are. So as far as like a rigid framework, like, oh, I'm going to do a one, two, left kick, three, four. Like, you can't have that. Um, you can use your – you have to have it as a framework. You have to be like, okay, let me, let me throw this – I call it a probe or a feint. Let me throw this little, this, this little thing out there that's maybe not super dangerous for me to throw, but mm -hmm. let me just see how he reacts. Let me see if that, that idea of a good spot that I had, let me see if that looks like it's gonna be there. So, so you're like testing it in real time yeah, also. Exactly, okay. it's, just, it's, it's action reaction, it's feedback. I, I, it's like, I don't know, I think of a fight whenever I'm standing or trading with somebody it's like the old like Pavlovian experiment of like the whole dog and all that. Yeah. Like you're, it's like you're training a dog, like good dog, bad dog, do this. Okay. You defend this. Okay. Bad dog. I'm going to go there. It's, I don't know. It's okay. like a back and forth like that, but you can't have like a rigid framework, but you got to know where your strong spots are and where maybe there's some openings and you kind of build off of those. Okay. Um, and then from building off of those, you understand how to blend the pieces. And that's where the, the, you see mixed martial arts. That's where the right. artistry comes back and right. blending those pieces. So are you, you all kind of muscle memory things are happening and then you're testing and taking notes on what's happening in real time like that's kind of how it's so you're not um 
like you don't know going in that you're going to try to finish them with like a right hook or something. Right. It's whatever presents itself. Right. It's like, okay, I think the right hook may be there. Let me see if he's like fixed that. Let me see if that opening's still there. Let me see, let me see how that works. Um, and as far as muscle memory, there's definitely some things that are muscle memory. I'll say counters, like when somebody throws a, a yeah. shot and then you immediately answer back or like slipping, those are for sure reactionary and muscle memory kind of things. But there's also some game planning and some strategic things that you can, there's little, there's little bitty moments in fights where you can not necessarily take a break, I want to say, but where you're not actively getting punched in the face or tried, <laughs> you know, tried yeah. to be choked. And your brain, because of all the adrenaline, it works so much faster than it, it does right now in a situation like right. this. So those, those conversations, those thoughts, those whatever that is, they go so much faster. So in those little break moments, you have these like, I don't want to say it's like, I don't know, you, you, you go through the, that little checklist in your head. And um, yeah, but as far as like when you're, when you're really doing it, like you, you don't want to be like, actively thinking about certain things and you don't want to be actively be thinking like oh he hit me with a good shot like that's not the that's not the thought process okay. that needs to go okay. on it's a very like matter of fact a very objective a very um yeah I, that, that's the best way yeah that's the best way makes sense objective objective so the, so it, when you're fighting and you throw something and i know this is happening i watched some of your highlights and stuff kind of over the past whatever but but I, so I know that you like, I remember one fight you, uh, your whole face was bloody, yeah. like your whole left eye was like just uh -huh. cut open there. So tell me about that. But when you're in that kind of at the beginning of the fight, I assume, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm assume you're coming into it just confident. Like, you know, your skills, you know, that you can beat this guy and you know, you convince yourself of that. And then you go into it and start doing that testing to find the opening. But what is your thought? whenever he pings you back like that and first you realize time you're human and right. like so you said some guy david street i think it like hits like the mac truck so when you when you feel that the first time in the fight and everything's happening at 100 miles an hour yeah. what how do you evaluate from there i don't know dude like you you for me at least i expect it i don't i don't go into it with this mindset I'm, that i'm not going to be presented with adversity that i'm like everything i'm going to do is just going to be flawless it's yeah. like yeah you visualize and you 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 have some of those moments but for me i visualize the bad moments too i visualize me getting rocked i visualize me getting dropped i visualize me with blood on my face but i don't stop there i visualize after that i visualize me with blood on my face right. climbing the cage screaming at the crowd after i finish somebody okay. right. these things happen right. you know it's um, so as far as like when it happens in the fight, yeah, there's that moment again, you have these little breaks, so you can almost have like a little conversation with yourself. Um, and in those moments, I don't know, you, your thoughts run so fast and, and it, but you have something tangible already that you've thought about. You've already visualized that part. So once you realize that in that little moment in the fight, you're like, oh, wait, I've already been here. I know how I'm going to react. This is just some blood. Like, what is it? It's a flesh wound. It's not, it doesn't really mean anything. Mm. I just got rocked, but I know, I, I know how, to, how to coax myself back from that. I know this guy hits hard, but that's just one tool. I know there's a, a focus or a, an area I can go around that. I know there's a solution to the problem, and I know I've built those solutions into my game. Um, so there's no reason to, like, panic when that adversity comes at least in my case um it's almost like you you want to welcome it because that's the that's the fight that everybody remembers from mine right now the yeah. the pro debut is the one that people remember the the ones that present the adversity those are like your opportunities to like prove you're you're good prove you're great it's yeah the little smooth that's i don't know dude the last few <laughs> that have gone so smooth it's i don't know i 
I, I like them for sure, but I like knowing how I like seeing those. You wars. like you like that you can overcome the toughest. Yeah. Spot. Was that the pro debut when you had your eye all cut open? The pro debut is when I got my nose busted up. It oh, was okay. basically what happened to my ear, how it swelled up and, yeah. and got hard. That would have happened to my nose, and it did in some ways. Um, it's called a septal hematoma. So the middle of my nose, the cartilage part, swole up like a balloon on the inside. Dang. And I remember the day after reaching in my nostrils like this, pinching it, and just like feeling like. All right. So, we so the recorder stopped for a second. We're jumping back in, and I think it finished with whenever you were telling me about, or I asked you about what happens when you get pinged the first time, and then you were saying you visualize, which is super interesting, because I guess that makes perfect sense, but somebody who doesn't fight, you know, and doesn't do, go through the training like that, that makes total sense that you would imagine your weak points and imagine yourself getting rocked so then you can figure out how, have a plan for how to get out of it in the middle of the fight, Yeah, which is cool. For sure. I, uh, I don't know. I just, I think it's a bit naive. Well, I, I did this in some of my earlier fights, like, but it's a bit naive to like, think that you're going to go into a fist fight and not get hit or a right. fist fight and not get cut or, you know, something's going to happen. It's like, that's, that's the game. We all, yeah. nobody rides for free. Um, you just, I don't know. Yeah. You got to know how to visualize, how to see that before it happens, I guess, and understand that like, it's not a, everything's not lost in that moment when the in the first moment when that adversity hits and then yeah. it's weird it's like once you have that um that that conversation or whatever in the fight it's almost like you're like free from everything it's like all right well now i'm not it's not that i'm not worried but it's like yeah. okay let's go let's the go pressure kind of releases a little yeah for yeah. sure for sure so are you so when you start going like when you're going in what's your uh are you i know you see the people see the guys like warming up trying to stay loose like are you trying to stay as loose and calm as possible or do you kind of like football players like get yourself jacked up right before you go in like what's that no approach? i don't think i don't think like jacked up is necessarily like the way to go it's like a <clears throat> It's a very like in between kind of thing. It's a little bit know. of both, maybe. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I definitely get myself in that mood, but I'm not like rah rah like oh let's do it like screaming around and everything. It's just very. I don't know. It's very just uh, just very direct, very uh, very focused. Yeah, very. This is what I have to do. I know yeah. the mindset I have to put myself in. I know what I have to be. I know what I have to be willing to endure in there, and I also know what I have to be willing to inflict on another person in there. And I'm very aware of that and I'm very tapped into that. Um, and I'm also at the same time, there's also this kind of goes into the balance thing. That's one focus of it where it's just, I'm literally going to try to physically maim this person to the point of, you know, they tell us in every rules meeting, you're aware that you can, um, sustain injury up into and including death. And like, that's a, that's what we're essentially both trying to do in there. You know, obviously we hope it never happens, but that's what the referee's in there for. But that's our job is to try to go ahead and do that. Um, and it's in a fight and it's in a competition setting, but that's one half of the mindset that you, that you have to have. And for me, the other one is this, this fight, this thing is, it's your reward. The, the weight and all, the, your focus should be put on the work that you're doing day to day to get yourself prepped for this. If you go into this, the, the highlight or whatever, what everything's supposed to be for, if you go into it with all these feelings of, oh, I don't know, uh, like you, you, you should, you should welcome this. It's like a test that you're really prepared for. It's like, yeah, anything can happen, but at the end of the day, like just go out there and do what you do every day. Like go showcase that to people, showcase that to the world. And, um, so there's a ultimate, there's, it's almost, I don't want to say it's like a, 
it's not like a have fun out there kind of thing, but it's like a uh, <laughs> go have fun. <laughs> yeah, Muhammad. I think Muhammad Ali's trainer. He Muhammad Ali had this like trainer called uh, Bundini, uh-huh. and he was like his. It's been said that he was like the spirit of Ali, but he was the very like motivational kind of uh, deep spirit kind of guy or whatever uh-huh. around Ali. And he he just has this quote. I just love it. It's just it's very simple. It's just be free, champ. It's just like go do all the moves that you practice, all the crazy shit. Be, ha, do all the techniques you know and don't hold anything back. Just go out there and do you and also do you in a way that is going to lead to the bodily harm of another human being. Mm. And that's it. So this is uh, a good, I wanted to ask you about that because uh, like I can appreciate, you know, wanting to be good at something, wanting to hone your craft, wanting to go out and compete and things like that. But there is something exceptionally different about boxing and fighting than football, baseball, all these other competitions is yes the fact that you're trying to physically hurt someone which in any other context would be a crime the outlier right (laughs) right so uh so yeah how does that i mean you kind of alluded to it there some but um do you have to set is your mindset going in is that your mindset that i'm gonna go hurt this person uh or is it that you have to use a technique to make them submit to you, I guess, or to prove your dominance? Is it, what is the actual mindset for you going in and facing that other guy? You know his name, you've seen his face, you've been reviewing his other fights, and so like he's an actual person. Right. So what's your mindset when you first approach that? As far as me versus the other person, I'm not, I'm not naive to the fact, it's very, it's, it's, look, it's my, me versus Leonardo, it's my dreams versus his dreams. It's my livelihood versus his livelihood. This is how I'm, you know, buying food. This is how I'm paying rent. It's my life versus his life. And, you know, going into that, it doesn't make me want to go after it any less, but there is that you see a very, usually after the fight, um, you see a very uh, respectful kind of embrace, whatever you want to call it between the fighters. And it's because at the end of the day, like whenever you, whenever you, you're that close to somebody and you're, I don't know, it's, it's a weird, a fight is a very weird thing to try to describe yeah. to people. Like you, you have a certain respect for them after that. Cause you know, they're putting the same stuff on the line as you are. And you know, they're putting the same risk, the same, a lot of times the same sacrifices going into it as you are. Um, but at the end of the day, like I'm going in there to use techniques, but I'm not naive to the fact that these techniques are, are the purpose is to hurt another human being. That's the point. I'm not in there. There's some fighters that want to look all pretty and stuff when they're in there. And, um, you can just tell that they don't have that like killer thing. Like their, their techniques look pretty, but they you can tell their purpose is not quite that. Hmm. Um, I use techniques and I'm very, I think very, um, I think the whole fighting thing has to be taken with that technique thing as pretty much the highest importance, but it's gotta be done with the purpose of harm. It can't be done with the purpose of, I'm gonna go in there and look all artistry and look all beautiful with it. It's, it's that, but it's, it's with the purpose of a sword, mm-hmm. you know? So you have to have the, the killer instinct to really turn it on. Yeah, be sure. at Be at the top of your game. Yeah, you gotta go into that mood, that's for mm-hmm. sure. That's wild. Yeah. Um, there, we, we were talking before we started about podcasts and stuff, and we both listen to Joe Rogan's podcast a lot, you know, mm-hmm. number one podcast, whatever. But the, uh, there was one, There's there's been a couple, actually, episodes in the past couple months that I've seen, but there was one particular one. I'm sure you've you listened to it. I think you probably have, but he had some lady on that was, uh, I forgot exactly what she did 
but maybe she wrote a book. About, I think she was the lady that wrote a book about testosterone. So she was asking Rogan about, and this is, I wanted to get your perspective on this since you're, you're, this is, you're in it every day. But, uh, she asked him about the, you know, the fighting and, and she mentioned how in the, in the wild, there's these elk that will circle each other and kind of shape each other up before they start fighting. And then likened that to, fighters fighting in a ring and then rogan kind of went down this whole thing telling her about how that's that's dumb it's not like a primal thing that whole thing it's it's somebody who's like you and you just laid it out perfectly it's somebody who's putting in all this work bringing their dreams and their livelihood putting that up against someone else and then basically with no holes barred at fighting to the death putting that against someone else and then trying to come out on top. And so anyways, I remember listening, I was mowing the grass while I was listening to this episode and, uh, and then I told my wife after I'm like out mowing the grass, sweating, just sweating to the max. Uh, but like starting to feel emotional, like hearing him talking about it and like, you know, people are, I don't know. It was the, he had a really nice eloquent way that I cannot repeat here uh, of how to describe just that struggle and that effort um putting in i don't know if you remember hearing him he was talking about rose uh, thug rose whenever he was describing it and talking about her um i don't know again i'm not going to try to recount it because it's way better than anything i can do but so the and i bring that up saying that you know you there is something different whenever you i mean because mma is a sport like people or in it, they, you know, they go into it to make money. It's entertainment. It's a big business. It's a league like the MLB or the NFL, but there, but there is something different about the MM, this for the sport of MMA versus these others. And I think it's kind of like what you described that it's, you could die and not only could you die cause you could die racing cars or playing football, but that's the purpose of it is to hurt the other person anyway that was a long diatribe about nothing probably but no i get where you're going with that the way he was kind of talking about that and describing it it really gave like me listening to it some insight into what somebody like you is thinking about every time you go to train at the gym yeah well for the most part when i'm at the gym i i'm in a mindset of like Hey, bro, you like get to go hang out with your friends, punch each other in the face and train all day. And that's like, that's your job. Like, that's what you do. Like, have fun with it. There's also, I mean, that mindset shifts the closer you get to a fight. Then it's yeah. more, you know, it's more serious. It, you kind of alternate between those two kind of uh, yeah. mindsets. But as far as like what you were getting at with Joe and um, whoever that lady was, um, there is, I think fighting's a really different thing in general because... Like everybody in their head, no matter what you do, if you're a carpenter, if you, whatever job you do, there's like, there's, there's doubts, there's little things that you tell yourself as to why you can't do it. There's little things you tell yourself as to why it's okay you can't do something or why you can't be a certain level at something. And what fighting is to, to me at least, is it seems like, like at the end of the day, we, we watch fighting to be entertained, right? Um, we watch theater to be entertained. There's something similar in those, those two entertainment aspects. So what is it? Well, I think it's what, what it makes you feel like you watch a good movie. You, it like cha- it changes your outlook on something, right? Mm-hmm. There's something about fighting where it's, it, you can see the physical struggle and the only like the thing that gets you through that adverse moment in a fight, right? When the blood's coming down, it's your thoughts. Like it's how do you control your thoughts in that very high, highly intense moment that, you know, it, it seems to go on in a fraction of a second, 
right? When somebody can see that physically play out, see that battle of thoughts in somebody's head play out and see how they not just overcome somebody in a physical world, but overcome that thought in their own head. I think it does, it does something to me like emotionally whenever you see that. It, like Thug Rose is very emotional with that, at that moment. She had lost her title. She's fighting this like super champ in Zhang Wei Li and knocks her out like in 10 seconds. Like yeah. what, dude? It like wild. it's crazy. Yeah. And for her to, she was saying in the back, like she's having, like she cries before her fights, I think. Yeah. Like she gets very like into that. And then for, from what I understand, for her to go out there and, and make that shift into, you know, her before the fight saying, I'm the best in the world. I'm the champion, blah, blah, blah. All this, like while she's staring at this super champion after having all those doubts in the back, like those things are still probably happening in her fights. And you're literally seeing her fight those things for the most part um, in a metaphorical sense, like in her head, but also in a, a physical, tangible opponent. You see how that plays out. And for me, that's what like, that's what makes me feel it. When I see my teammates do that, when I do that myself, it's, I don't know, it's, I think fighting's different because whatever it is, it's like a movie, it's like a great theater performance, a great song, you feel it more so than a baseball, or as much as I love those things, a baseball or a football and all that, you have those moments in those sports, but it's, it's very, I don't know, it's almost like diluted mm -hmm. because there's, the stakes aren't the same. Yeah. The, I'm not putting my body on the line. I'm not putting my, my half of my fight purse on the line. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not putting all these things on the line and it doesn't have the same physical consequences. It's not that human chest there. If you make a wrong move, you're getting messed up for maybe, maybe for life, you know? Um, so when somebody watches, somebody willingly put themselves through that and willing and, and conquer that, I, I, to me, it just does something. Maybe that's what. Yeah, you know, you absolutely. Well. Yeah. And it's and it's just that the de, kind of the description of all the things that happen that you don't really see in the ring. Also, just that that weeks of build up, all that, all that training, all the mindset things, just all of that kind of coming to, you know, this one moment facing this other person in the ring. Uh, it's pretty wild and I thought the like I said the description the way he was describing and I think he was getting emotional talking about it too which is pretty easy to do when you think about sure, it but dude. um yeah so anyway that that's uh like I said it's totally foreign to me which is why it's it's so fascinating asking you about it and appreciate you opening up on Absolutely, and telling me dude. about that thing um about all of that so the you mentioned something um your fight pro fights so far you've had eight mm -hmm. and you're eight and no is that right mm -hmm. yep. so tell me about the i remember seeing one video um, where you mentioned the losses that you had before and and you alluded to it a little bit earlier when we were talking but um what does that feel like when you're when the when you're in the ring and it's over and you realize that you've lost uh this match Oh, it's shitty, dude. Two of my losses came on Mother's Day, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's even worse. Wow. <laughs> um, but uh, no, man, I mean, it's rough. Like, uh, both or all of my losses, there's two on the, on the website, but I actually have three. I don't know why the third one doesn't show up um, okay. as an amateur. Um, but there's, I don't know, it's like a wave of emotions, like anything you would, you would feel in that moment. It feels super shitty. Um, after, my, after all my losses, I was in the back, like, just completely physically exhausted, bro. Just like... There was one I'm laying on the back with the mats, like throwing up. My teammate comes and like they wipe the throw up off and give me a little bucket or whatever. Real just, yeah, real shitty moments. Uh, other ones where I've had that adrenaline dump similar. Um, yeah, you know, it's not a good feeling. They say the sport's the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows, and it, it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of my fights, I generally kind of stay up that night from the adrenaline. Um, the losses were no exception. Um, 
I remember there was one night, this is kind of what the mindset change that happened after my third loss. I went on this deep dive, like I stayed up to like 4 a.m. in my living room because uh, my girlfriend at the time was over and I didn't want to keep her up and all. So I go to the living room and I'm just watching YouTube videos and I just, those thoughts just start going on. But uh, I'll get on, I'll touch back on that later. But the after effect, I think we kind of touched on that. Yeah, it's just a super like shitty feeling. Like you, there's ones where you feel like you left it all out there and maybe you feel good, but at the end of the day, it's still a loss. Yeah. And then there's ones where you felt like, oh, just something was wrong. And you, yeah. You know, you That's start. That's what I was kind of wondering if it was, if you feel, because, yeah, I mean, it's like that the, when you're finished and you beat somebody, it's got to be, you're just elated. Like you're just, you know, I've seen the highlights you're of you like world, yelling bro. up on the top of the, uh, on the fence, just like, and you're just screaming like a warrior or something, <laughs> you just cut somebody's head off. But then on the other end, that's what I was kind of wondering, like when you, when it's over and somebody has beaten you, do you feel like they're better than you or they were better on that day or you messed something up? I guess, but you say it's different for... It's been different for each one. In that night, if you don't concede that they were better to you, then you're 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 going to be stuck at that level the whole time. But if you if you concede that they were better that night, you don't have to say they're going to be better in a year. You don't have to say they're going to be better in two years or whatever. But I think you have to address it for what it is. Whatever whatever excuse you wanna you wanna say or whatever, if you could control any part of that excuse, then you have that's something you can learn from. So. Mm-hmm. You have to concede that, yeah, they were better. Yeah, you lost. You were the worst man that night. But don't, I mean, like the visualization stuff, don't stop it there. It's okay. Now a day goes by, two days go by, an hour goes by. If you're like me and you start already analyzing, what could I have done better? What, mm-hmm. where, where was the problem? Was it, was it my lead up to the fight? Was it something I did in my training? Is there something, some technique I need to learn how to do? Something I need to learn how to not have done to me? Something, some other area I can improve that will maybe lend the, make the fight go this way more? Or you start running through those scenarios and, um, and got to the, I'll touch, I guess this kind of segues into that. Sometimes it's techniques and all. For me, after the third fight, um, I was still working at the time and I was, I was missing and I was in school and all, and I would have to miss classes uh, that were pretty important practices, I think, now looking back um, to go, you know, work at this job. And it was a good job. It was kicked by, it was in my field. It was, you know, everything I needed to do. It, it paid my rent and all. And after that third loss, the, the YouTube dive I went into at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever, was I don't know where I got this idea or why I thought it was even a good idea to have, but I started looking at all these fighters' old, super old videos, like from when they were not in the UFC, from mm-hmm. when they were trying to make it, and I would look at, like, the, I would try to pick out common threads between them. There was, I remember there was this one couple that lived in an RV outside of a gym. Uh, I had the, the chance to go up to Milwaukee to Rufus Sport, which is like a really big gym, and they have UFC fighters there and all. And I remember seeing some guy up there who was in the UFC, probably like already in the UFC for like three or four years at that point. And he was living in the broom closet just so he could be in the gym. Dang. And then I remember finding, seeing other YouTube videos of just people uprooting their life and moving across the country, moving different countries to go chase this thing. And I was like, okay, well, that's one thing for MMA fighters. Let me look at other people who are like similar to our jobs. Okay, let me look at, well, entertainment. Okay, maybe rappers and like song artists, but not like the ones who are like connected to like a big music label and have a bunch of money behind them. Maybe the ones who like stay independently signed. Maybe there's some like similarities there and that what they had to do. And so I went and found, I remember, uh, G Easy had a video out like that of when he was like promoting his own tour up in New York or something like that. Uh, I remember Russ had some stuff like that. Uh, who else? Um, 
man, who am I? there's a lot of other ones, dude. Um, but they all had that like similar thing where they were, they were broke. They were living on couches. They were all in whatever that meant. They were all in for the art and all in for, um, just that passion. Like they were willing to be broke, willing to have it all on the line. And I realized that whatever that was for me, I needed to do that. I didn't necessarily think that it would, it would look exactly how somebody else's all in was. Um, but for me, that all in was, you know, quitting a pretty comfortable job that even had to do with kickboxing just so I can make these two more practices a week that I needed to make. It was, you know, taking Saturdays now instead of coming back to Baton Rouge to see my family for the weekend or whatever, it was, okay, now you're going to have to do practice Saturday and start, you know, driving back and forth. It was, okay, now Friday nights, you're going to have to figure something out. Friday morning, you're going to have to figure something out. Before classes, you're going to have to figure something out. It's just, um, yeah, I just realized after those losses, like you had to figure out that all-in thing mm -hmm. um, but I don't think I ever would have gotten to that point if after those losses I was like right. oh that was just because it was a bad weight cut no that was just because he had he got that takedown and, and whatever no I really won that fight it was a close fight I probably could have gotten the decision like mm -hmm. no you have to like admit when you're defeated admit yeah. when there's areas you can get better in and go find those things whether that's in technique or just mindset or just lifestyle in general right you know? that's cool so you um I've Everything you're telling me, I have like 10 questions while you're telling me what I want to try to ask about, but about that in, uh, in particular, the, the kind of how you have to set your life up to, to be successful at fighting and getting better. Um, do you, I guess like maybe now is a good, uh, or the, where you're at currently is a good kind of scenario to ask about, but mm -hmm. do you feel like right now preparing for your fight in a couple of weeks, are you focused on, uh, like, are you focused on techniques? Are you focused on the conditioning? Are you focused on the strategy against this particular fighter? What are you uh, spending most of your, maximizing your time on right now doing? It's game planning for sure. It's, uh, it's working certain um, techniques, like building them into muscle memory that I, th I think mm -hmm. will be there. Um, it's as far as conditioning, a lot of the conditioning is already done. We'll definitely have, you know, some hard sessions blowing out the lungs and getting the heart going more. Um, but a lot of the conditioning that I'm going to have for the fight is probably already there. Um, it's, there's a little bit more emphasis on recovery and getting the body, you know, going at tip top shape. Um, it's more, I would say it's less impactful training. So like less, you know, hard sparring, obviously more like drilling and back and forth kind of stuff, okay. more keeping the technique sharp, more game planning kind of stuff, like you said, um, and then yes, conditioning will still be a good part, but it's a lot of that's already kind of been put in. So what's know? the so when you have to sacrifice your time, like you mentioned on the job or time with family and stuff, mm -hmm. kind of over the past year or so, as you've been gearing up for this, uh, what's the is it because you have more to learn, I guess, or is it because you got to push your body f more than you ever have before? Like what's the what are, what does that look like? The the training and all hasn't really. I don't want to say it hasn't changed. I'm, I'm learning each camp. I learn something new for sure. Mm -hmm. So it's always evolving, always changing. But as far as something drastic that we're taking out or adding in or something, there hasn't really been too much of that. It's uh, from that moment on, like from the that third loss, I decided yeah. to like legit, like dedicate my whole my whole thing to this. Yeah, um, my whole life to this. And it's. Um, especially being in MMA, where if you don't do that, if you are one of these middle of the road or average, or if you're not the top, you're, you're in there to get hurt, 
that somebody at some point that's going to happen. And from that moment on, it was a very, uh, I don't have like leading up to a fight. I'm not doing it's, it's, I'm always in the gym. It's, I can find certain time, certain priorities shift around whenever a fight's not immediately close. But as far as like what I wake up and like do every day, like there's a perp, there's a, there's a intention with most of my actions from, from what books I'm reading at what times, um, from what I'm doing in my, in my drawing, what YouTube videos I'm watching. These things are all like, it sounds weird. It may sound like crazy, but a lot of them are some part of some like, I don't know. I think the information you take in is very important too. And, and you've only got a limited amount, limited amount of time to intake certain information. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, from just little, just day to day things like that. Like when I say like my life is like towards this, it's yeah, yeah. that, it, that comprehensive it's, um, yeah. But as far as like family time, like they know, like they know how, how dedicated I am to this. Um, a lot of people close to me know. Um, and I think a lot of people know why they have, you know, obviously I want this for myself and, um, I want to do it in a way that I'm not putting myself at risk by putting myself out there, yeah. you know? So I'm going to do it as hard as I can. It's, all encompassing as I can. Um, and they also know that I have, you know, some sort of bigger purpose. I want other people to be able to, I want to improve things around me by doing this, you know, that's so they understand, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Cause that was, I I did want to bring that up and, and ask you, you know, it's curious, curious about what, uh, makes you do it every day. Like what's the motivation, um, behind this, fighting you know like what's the motivation behind getting in and basically fighting to the death risking yourself for that and uh that's great i mean um so i guess uh, on that on that kind of vein what is your goal um for the next few years as you're I mean, obviously the next two weeks is a huge pivotal, you know, moment for you, which is fantastic. Um, I'm sure you're approaching it like it's, you know, your next fight, but, um, it's got some weight to it. So what's the, what's your kind of few year plan, I guess, going through? Yeah. So in terms of like, this thing's always kind of evolving. Like if you would ask me like, what are your plans with MMA and what are your plans to do with it? If you would ask me that five years ago when I was first starting out, I was yeah. like, Oh, I like to hit people and I want to do that more. Like it evolves and yeah, that's okay. a good thing. Okay. Like it becomes more your reason for doing it as you, you know, grow to love it more and more. And yeah. as you like, and as you get older as a person, too, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, I don't know. It's kind of always evolving. Just at least my focus at the moment, um, why I like put out the YouTube videos, why I like share little writings that I've done or whatever about my mindset and stuff. Um, my focus at the moment is to like, we talked about earlier how you can, the reason fighting's different is you can feel it, you can see it, you can, it's, it just does something different to you inspirationally, it does something different to you motivationally, it does, I don't know, it's just something different. You can draw from it, you can mm-hmm. pull energy from mm-hmm. it, whatever you wanna call that, you can pull stuff from it and apply it to your life very directly. Um, I've had, I've observed people, teammates, training partners, you know, accomplish great things. I've observed them, um, battle their demons, I guess, if you will. I've observed them battle through adversity and I have drawn from that. So if I can just be the next kind of like chain in that link and provide that to people around me and people in my community and all that, then that's kind of my focus at the moment. Um, as far as like even later down the line, I've got some plans and stuff for that too, but, um, you know, I've got other interests outside of MMA or other, I say outside of MMA, 
<laughs> I don't know. I think sounds like that's basically your life in MMA. Yeah, it has to be for sure. Yeah. And, uh, but I do getting into other interests and stuff. Yeah. I think other interests have, like why why do you do this podcast? Let me ask that. Uh, well, I, I started it to get better at talking with people, but also to do like this, like hear about somebody that's either an expert or passionate about something there. And this basically has dedicated their life to something. I love hearing about that, hearing them tell me about it. So yeah. And that's kind of why I would argue that you've probably learned a lot of stuff a from lot. a lot of different fields. Oh, right. Yeah. And you've Massive. probably learned things that have seemingly nothing to do with your field that you can then take and put into your field. hundred percent. So part of like part of fighting is you do that with techniques too. You go from, you go, if you're open to new techniques and open to new experience, you can go learn a new technique from somebody all the way across the world that doesn't speak your language. You can also learn those things from, you can learn things to apply to your field from other fields that seemingly have absolutely nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot where I was going with that, <laughs> but uh, that's great. You, it sounded amazing. I love it. Yeah. 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 It, wow, man. What was it? Oh, well, I, you, you were telling me about you, uh, where you're headed and then, and you wanted to help those other people around you kind of see the things that you're doing and overcoming, be that person to others that p many people have been to you, uh -huh. but then also your outside interests. Okay. As yeah. Well. Yeah. So a lot of the outside interests there in some ways in some sort of master plan tied in with the whole MMA yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have an outside interest. My degrees in biology, I think science and stuff cool. is super cool. Um, I think it would be cool to use a platform and, hopefully like be able to, I don't know, we'll see, do my own research or, or at least help like create a, some sort of something that does some independent kind of research. Um, I think that would be cool. That's cool. I don't yeah. know. There's a lot of like interest I have, but it's a loose framework, right? It's right, not a, yeah. not a rigid plan. Yeah. You know, so, um, that's cool. Um, so I want to ask you too about, and also I know we talked before, but whenever like you need to go just let me know. Oh, shut down. So, um, I want to ask you a little bit more about the actual specifics of, uh, the art of MMA, the, the sport and everything. Okay. Um, so the, let's take again, it's easy cause you're currently in this stage, but this fight coming up at the end of the month, when did you first know you had this fight and when did you start, uh, specifically training for this fight so i knew about this fight four days before my, three or four days before my last fight okay um so i got the call from i think it was my coach who got the call from my manager saying hey you got a shot on the contender series let's go blah blah, blah. we still got a fight in four days so <laughs> it's like uh yeah you get excited and then you're like okay that now wasn't too long ago right when was no, that? that was uh april yeah late april I think. okay um so yeah, I got the call around then, and I guess we've known about it ever since then. And mm -hmm, really, mm -hmm. like, I think I was in gym in the gym the next Monday, and that was from then on. That was the focus. Obviously, as the, four months out from a fight is going to look different than two months out, sure. and I would say four months out, it was more focused on me and my areas and certain areas I wanted to improve in. Okay, um, and now it's become a little bit more about like, okay, game planning, certain things that you know we're going to see, certain things we want to do. Okay, so like the, so four months out, you know you're going to fight. Again, it's like it's gonna happen, and so you go back into saying like my right kick is a little weak, so I want to make it better, or my take. Okay, so you're mm -hmm. doing that uh, leading up, and then the what's the, your what's your normal schedule during that phase where you're just kind of working on yourself and training and that sort of thing? What's your are you seven days a week like in the gym doing stuff, and how long and all that? I'll say Monday through Saturday, I'm usually doing a morning and a night session. Uh, so Saturday. two a days for six days. 
yeah, that's, that's like my life, I guess, for the most part. Wow. Sunday is usually like active recovery, like a trail walk or something. Um, Monday is Mondays and Wednesdays. Well, Monday's wrestling. It's, it's just, it's broken down to a morning session and a night session. Mm -hmm. Usually my morning session is lighter. Uh, it could be light grappling, um, like learning based jujitsu, I guess, where we break down certain techniques, certain positions, look at them, see why they work, see how to stop them, see what to do, all that stuff. Um, sometimes it's just cardio. Sometimes it's a body weight workout. Sometimes it's a weighted workout. It, it just, it fluctuates, but okay. that morning session is always there. Um, at night is usually when the bulk of my work comes and that could depending on the day of the week, could be wrestling, could be um, jujitsu based, could be striking based, could be sparring, could be MMA sparring, could be um, drills with bag work. It could be anything depending on where we're at yeah. in fight. So camp. how long are the workouts usually? So usually about an hour and a half, I would say. Um, if I do two classes or back to back, it can range anywhere from three or so. Um, and I usually get there a little bit early and do my own kind of little drills I want to do and little warm up stuff. So are so. you for the past couple of months, like in this four month window that we're currently in, do you have a, a, your coach is like training you all of those sessions or does he set, set it up for you and you do it? Like, how does that work? As far as my schedule, like I, I base all that. Like I've, I've got, oh, you come up with all the workouts and everything. Not, not necessarily the workouts, but my schedule for sure. Okay. Um, we kind of like, I'll run it by him. He sees like when I'm in the gym and what yeah, I'm yeah. learning and all that. Um, he runs a majority of the sessions for sure, but um, you can, like we said, you can learn from anybody, right? So yeah. a lot of my teammates have stuff that they're good at that I'm not good at. A lot of other coach, my assistant coaches, I guess, if you will, have things that they're good at that I need to improve on. So they'll run some sessions and, you know, I learn from them. I take things from them and stuff as okay, well. Okay, cool. So it's like a practice, like if you're on a team sport, it's kind of like, I mean, obviously a lot more intense and more often than most, but it's like a practice and there's other people there and then you kind of do drills and can work with different people to improve. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. What's your, I'm curious about the conditioning. Um, this fight coming up, is it three, three minute rounds? It's three fives, three, five, minute three, rounds. five minute rounds. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are three minute rounds a thing or is that just yeah, that's amateurs? Oh, the amateurs are three. Uh -huh. The pros and are boxing fives. is three minute rounds. as well. So all of your pro fights have been three, five minute rounds. Yep. Yep. Got it. Okay. Some have been Unless five, you finish them early, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. You did have a five round fight. I had two five round fights scheduled, but they finished pretty early. Nice. First round. Um, so the conditioning part is, uh, I don't understand. I mean, I played baseball, so obviously way different conditioning, but yeah. there was a, you know, for that, you kind of do more long distance to kind of, so you can last nine innings. Not that it's very exertive for most. No, of them, dude, but, keeping that focus for nine <laughs> innings is something, but then you do like the sprints to work on incre increasing your speed. So right. what's the conditioning like to prepare for that fight? Cause it's only three, five minute rounds. That's only 15 minutes of work. But at the same time, that's like 15 minutes of Solid serious minutes. work. So yeah. what is, what's the prep? Do you do short bursts? Do you do like mile runs or both or? So, um, I would say you, this has to be done on a like body by body basis for me being a more muscular guy. Naturally, a lot of my work. How big are you by the way? about like nine, anywhere between like 90 to 97. I can kind of range usually. What is that? And 190 to one, uh, oh. fight welterweight, 170. Okay. Yeah. I did want to ask you about that stuff too, but so you walk around kind of 190, yeah, 195 generally. and how tall are you? Uh, five, nine, five, 10 with socks on. Okay. Five, 10 with socks on. <laughs> nice. Got it. Okay. So for your conditioning looks like, um, a lot of mine is more endurance based, I would say. So I do swimming once to twice a week. Okay. Um, I do uh, road work 
once to twice a week. I do. That's um, like jogging. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, sprints are in there after practice on Thursdays. We'll run 10 sprints to try to ramp up that short distance kind of heart rate stuff. Um, a lot of the training is conditioning based whenever you get towards a fight. So you can have what's called a shark tank run on you, basically where you're in there for your three, five minute rounds and uh, they're cycling in a new guy like every minute or so. Or, oh, wow. Yeah. Or so maybe, you're fighting a fresh guy for five yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Which is... Tough. You know, it can be tough. Uh, or you're maybe hitting pads for a minute and then wrestling for a minute with a guy and then ground and pounding the dummy for a minute. And it's so the drills can be built into conditioning based. Um, if you want to go super in depth, there's like a different energy system for the grappling versus the striking. Okay. So just think. I, I do want to go super in depth, by the way. For sure. So so think about this: the grappling, what a weight workout. Say I'm bench pressing. Yeah. It's squeezing a muscle across a certain range of motion and it's you basically keeping that strength the whole time yeah. it's usually a slower movement um that's if you think about it that's kind of like the jujitsu kind of base like i'm squeezing somebody to hold them or i'm and then i'm maybe going for a second and then i'm squeezing to hold and then going for a second um from what i understand that is the anaerobic training system okay um so a lot of the reason i do my swimming is to try to like mimic that without impact so very minimal breaths i stay under the water for a good bit of the time um try to come up and take breaths but it's very oxygen deprivated focus um and i find like that's the whole you'll see you'll see strikers go grapple and not like look like they're absolutely out of shape you'll see grapplers go to strike and look like they're out of shape because yeah. they're different systems okay, yeah. right um so think about striking it's very like it looks like olympic weightlifting it's very explosion based it's very um uh fast intervals but or, or fast pace but short very short interval kind of stuff so high intensity or hit whatever you call it i guess yeah. now um and it's from what i understand that's the aerobic training system so with oxygen very short burst of energy where you're breathing hard but then you catch your breath for a second and then you're not keeping the muscles tense the whole time they're more firing quick and explosive gotcha so, so the um so if you're I, I obviously in a fight your adrenaline's like pumping to the max but when you uh like when you when do you start feeling tired in that fight or do you feel tired and then how does that play into what you're doing at the moment when you start to feel that fatigue? Like, are you thinking like, crap, I should have done more sprints or something, or you just like, how can I make it out of this round? Or what's that kind of on the conditioning side of it? What, how does that happen? Yeah. For the most part, you're going to feel tired in a fight. That's for sure. It's like, but you want to have put yourself in that situation to know how to handle it, know what you need to do, know how to get yourself, not necessarily untired, but know how to get your breath back, okay. know how to get the lactic acid out of your muscles. Um, with time, that adrenaline dump also, you you understand better how to manage it like it's less of like a high peak and it's more of just kind of like a steady okay. incline of adrenaline i guess okay. um so can you replicate that in training that adrenaline or you can for sure like the the um as far as dictating the pace and making your muscles work at the same rate you can definitely get that with the shark tanks i think but you won't get that like I did a jujitsu competition maybe like a month or two ago. Even though it was just jujitsu, I'm not getting punched in the face. Yeah. You know, I, not, not nearly the, I mean, you can still get hurt, but not nearly the same risk and all that. Yeah. Um, even then, just from that little competition, that little me versus him, that there's a time limit, there's score being kept. You get that little adrenaline kind of burst. So mm -hmm. I guess in terms of how to handle that, you just got to get experience, bro. You got to okay. do it. And you got to, it's a blend of those two things of tailoring what you do before the fight and also understanding how to, 
manage those feelings and manage that adrenaline when it does start coming in and how to pace yourself in a fight really yeah got it um okay so the so once you get the game plan like you know the guy you're fighting for the two months ish for this one it sounds like what's your uh what are you doing then two months out um it is there's a certain i don't know you do this one i did sprints and and tire swing kind of interval kind of deals. It's, it's a heart rate kind of base training. Um, I won't go super too in depth because I probably don't remember half the stuff, but it's based (laughs) on your heart rate kind of stuff. Okay. Um, interval kind of base stuff. Endurance stuff is more, it's still there, but it's, I guess, less of a focus as you start kind of getting closer. You, you tailor that based on your weight and based on how, I don't know, kind of how your body's feeling, what you need to do. Um, so it's really kind of setting your you're prepping to do the actual fight not you're not really learning techniques at that point or right you're refining a lot of what refining a lot of what you know and yeah hammering out those things there's no no matter how much conditioning you do there's no better substitute than just like doing the drills and doing all that like max pace you know right um how do you know when you've done enough versus done too much you check all the box oh too much yeah okay this is one I'm, you probably don't want to take my advice on this one <laughs> uh, because I tend to err on the side of too much. Okay. Um, I know I've done too much when my coach is like, Hey bro, like go chill for a day or two. Yeah, and then I'm like okay. trying to like sneak in a workout when they're not there. <laughs> but, uh, no, you just got, I don't know. I've had, you know, all these straps that tell you all these different, uh, mm. metrics and all. So they're good. I think they're good to like learn from and, and see that and get that statistical data. Um, but at the end of the day, dude, just you do it more and more and more and more. And you listen to people, you listen to veterans who, you know, have been in the game for 10 plus years. And mm-hmm. you just learn like you need to listen to your body and you need to learn how to listen to your body, too. Um, you need to learn what you can do on certain days and what maybe you should like not do on certain days. And there's also like a taming of the ego. It's like you. <laughs> It's like, look, bro, you need to chill. You need to do, just do this this day. And that's going to that's gonna be the most efficient thing, for most efficient training. Even though it's not the hardest training, for you today, that's the most efficient training because you know you have to wake up tomorrow and the next day and you know what those days hold. Mm-hmm. And you know if you do a certain thing this day, then you're not going to be ready for that day. So it's a balance of like assessing what training you did this week, a balance of assessing what training you know you're doing next week and seeing where you're at that day and how your body's kind of reacting i guess okay cool yeah what's uh your nutrition like i would say 90 percent of the time it is eggs and potatoes in the morning um if you want to go into my potato recipe gotcha bro got to i make Sweet. they're called ash browns bomb diggity ash browns ash browns nice yeah. oh yeah sounds good um but that's like a staple in the morning if i'm okay. not having that it's usually like a ham egg and cheese breakfast wrap or something okay um at night i would say Eighty percent of Wait, the time. Wait, I think you skipped lunch. Yeah, well, so I do. I eat a light lunch. Usually, okay. it's it's. <laughs> I was say maybe you don't do lunch. I don't know. <laughs> well, usually, so I usually don't eat until after my first session, for the most part, depending on how early that is. And then I'll usually smash like a brunch, I guess you could okay. say, which is pretty big with the eggs and potatoes. Yeah. Um, and then I'll snack throughout the day. So like, I get these like little uh, rice crackers. Um, from one of the little grocery stores and usually hummus is in there. Okay. Um, fruit is a good bit. Um, sometimes I'll just have like a light 
rice, uh, vegetable and meat kind of thrown together. And that's like 90% of what it is. It's either chicken or beef, um, usually rice or sweet potatoes or potatoes and bell peppers has been like my go-to vegetable recently, but you know, I mix other things in there too. And that's about it, dude. Fruit, vegetables, and yeah. And then like what, water and coffee? Water, coffee, kombucha. Not so much Gatorade. It's got a little too much. It's like a fermented tea. It's got probiotics in it, so it's good for your gut. Okay. Um, Yeah. And some like little, like healthy little mixed kind of deals I get. But that's about it. Do you do uh, like supplements and stuff? Like vitamins and all that stuff? Yes. Protein powder? I don't know. I don't do protein powder. I do. I take electrolytes. I take magnesium. If you want to go down the list of supplements, oh God, I just got a whole new shipment in that I'm super (laughs) pumped about. They're really legit vitamins from Thorne Research Labs. They're the ones like the UFC recommends you take so you don't like get tainted supplements and pop on a drug test or whatever. Um, So I have, I take an AM and a PM multivitamin, magnesium electrolytes, uh, vitamin D, um, and it's called an isophos compound. So it's the, it's phosphatidylserine. It's one of the main components in the cells that make up your brain. Mm. Um, really a lot of your cells. Anyway, I take a, something called, uh, what do they call it? Neuro something. I take a lot of like brain supplements and stuff generally, you know, getting right. Getting in the punched head in the head yeah. might be a good Kicked idea. Head, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I take that. I think there's a lot of vitamin B in it. Um, what else? Some sort of adrenal complex that has, uh, what is it? ashwagandha and some other like herbal blends in it Mm. um what else there's other stuff fish oils uh the fish oils i have have cocutin in them there's yeah there's too many there's a lot too many so was it do you you do all this yourself like you have you done all this research and asked people and figured out set up your schedule or do you have somebody that has given you this plan or no dude i so my background is in biology so i know how to like go through and at least I'm not the smartest with it. Like I only have a bachelor's degree, but it's, it's enough to be able to like get the gist out of a scientific paper, get the gist on if somebody who's selling some of these things or talking about some of these things is spewing some bullshit or if they're actually like research based and stuff like that. So I just go through and then I look at my lens of like, okay, if I was like a supplement giver with all the best intentions, what would I give myself? And okay. Brain supplement seems like a no brainer. A lot of these other things seem like no brainers. Um, just making sure your body works at its maximum efficiency seems like a a good idea. So, um, I just kind of, I listen to people talk and I'm always kind of learning. So if I hear somebody on Joe Rogan, he has one say, you know, some stuff that sounds pretty good. I'll research them and yeah. yeah, And just kind of add stuff like that. Um, so do you ever like cheat? Do you ever have like cheat days and stuff? Like where you eat Twinkies oh, or sure. whatever? What's for your favorite sure. snack to cheat with? I don't, I don't, ever since I stopped doing the cut down to 55, I don't really, um, I don't have like a big sweet tooth or anything anymore. Okay. I have, I have little treats sprinkled in my, my diet doesn't change too much if I have a fight coming up or not. Um, there is a one week period after where I'll kind of go, I say it's like my little food tour. I'll go hit nice. all the places I want. <laughs> nice. um, but right after that, I'm generally back on the same stuff. Yeah. And my weekly diet, there's stuff I take out the closer and closer I get to a fight. Um, but my weekly diet, I have my little treats sprinkled out. I have like little chips and guacamole. I'll have, uh, they're like, there's these things like they're dates, but they have like cocoa powder in them. So they taste like chocolate. It's enough to like nice. get your chocolate sweet tooth yeah. thing in. Um, I also have a pizza night every Thursday. It's like a real healthy little pizza. So okay. I get that little treat. Um, but as far as like my cheat, my real cheat the week after, we're going king cake 100% of the time if it's that season, which 
Hope it always is. Yeah. <laughs> um, wings, pizza, usually a burger, some beer for sure. Uh, yeah, a lot of that, dude. Nice. A lot of that. Wings. I think I already said. So that. what? So tell me about the. So you walk around at about one ninety ish, one ninety five. Mm-hmm. You fight welterweight, which is what weight? One seventy. And that, I, I kind of know this, but that basically means you have to be at one seventy or below mm-hmm. at the time you weigh in, which is a day before the fight. Yeah, usually twenty four to thirty six hours. Okay, so you got to be at one seventy or below at that point. So that's uh, that's like twenty five pounds that you have to get rid of. So mm-hmm. this is the fascinating part. I have a friend of mine who does, he arm wrestles. He's actually like a pro arm wrestler. Okay. So he does this extreme weight cut a lot of times for uh-huh. like 20 pounds or whatever, Oof. uh, to make a weight class for arm wrestling. But, uh, so he's told me some of the, about about some of the things that he does, which sounds insane. And then also dropping twenty five pounds is insane in general, especially when you're trying to gear up your body to go fight to the death. Like that yeah. doesn't seem as like that seems wild. So, uh, so what's your normal plan for the? Are you where's the point before the fight? Like how many days before the fight are you at one ninety five? And now you're saying. Now I have to, or do you lose weight for two months? Like, how do you do it? So there's that part for sure. There's the, like the pre, the pre water cut. That's your fat cut. That's when you're cleaning up your diet. You're eliminating certain things for the most part. You're getting leaned up, you're dropping fat and all that. That's kind of the first part. And that's over, over the majority of camp up until the last like week or so. You don't want to be super calorie deficient, but you are starting to lean up for sure. There's some more cardio. You're, you're doing certain things to lean up. So where are you at approximately at the, a week out of the fight? A week out, I am probably going to be 180, 185, 186. Okay. It's kind of my target okay. and I'm right around shooting for that. Um, now take this also with a grain of salt or take provide some context. My weight can fluctuate on a day like today I can eat and all that and be 194 probably you know right after I eat I drink a whole bunch of water and all by the end of my training day if it's like a Tuesday or Thursday a long training day um I will be 183 after drinking water and all so that's 12 pounds or so of water just from my output just from my normal day wow okay so uh I do I I go pretty regularly in the sauna and to I mean, being out here in Louisiana, it's always a sauna. <laughs> <Go> so, <outside. laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a heavy sweater for sure. That's why yeah. I take electrolytes and all that. Um, but I also do things. I train my body for the weight cut. I I'm regularly in the sauna. It's used to this thing. So it's not getting shocked by it whenever yeah. I go in there. Um, so just from there day to day, I can drop 10 to 12 pounds of sweat. Um, as far as what we change, that that's, part doesn't really change. <laughs> yeah, that that part doesn't really change. I'll maybe drop fifteen or so, like at the most in <clears throat> in fight week. But what really changes is kind of what you're eating that last that last week. Okay. It's a lot less um, complex carbs. I drop the rice. I drop the potatoes. I drop. Well, I don't really eat bread, but I would drop bread if I eat bread. A lot of those like complex carbs. And what those complex carbs do is they're long chain carbohydrates. Your body doesn't, if it doesn't have to, it doesn't break them down completely in your bloodstream. It's going to store them as glycogen in your muscles. And each, if I remember right, each gram of glycogen holds on to four grams of water. So if you drain Mm. those glycogen stores, it usually takes about 24 hours to, to replete. So you get them in before the fight. But if you drain them just by draining the glycogen stores and going, going low carb, going keto, um, you'll drop at least me five to 10 pounds just from that. Hmm. And that's why a lot of people who do keto, the first 
week or so, they have rapid weight loss and then it kind of plateaus. It's they're going very low glycogen in their muscles. That's what it is. Okay. So you drop that and then, so you're usually sitting for me, I'll be sitting about 10 pounds or so over my weight class. Um, and from then on, it's, it's, I'll still eat eggs. It's very fat and protein based. If I do want um, carbs, it's got to be fruit. It's got to be stuff with no fiber. It's got to be simple sugars that are going to stay in my bloodstream and not get stored in my muscles. Um, and yeah, you start, you, you lower your salt intake. So you're not holding on to as much water in your body and your muscles again. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of all happens around the same time you cut out complex carbs, salt, complex carbs. And yeah, that's about it really. So are you drink? is that, my buddy who does it, I think he like drinks a lot of water that week, mm -hmm. the last week that you're trying to drop the extra 10 or 12 pounds. So you're drinking a lot of water every day. Yes. Leading so, up, and then you stop drinking water the day of or something. Exactly. Yeah, that's okay. exactly right. So you drink a bunch of water, but you're not taking in the, the same ions, the sodium, the potassium, all that. So you're essentially, when you pee, you're flushing out all the ions and not putting them back in. Okay. Um, then you cut the water, your body's secreting aldosterone and all these hormones that make you pee a bunch and the idea is you pee out as much without the ions that you can and yeah so what's that so the morning of the weigh-in are you at your weight or do you still have a little more to do that day it depends how early they are so okay. if they feel that if they're in the afternoon i'm not going to hold on my weight for that whole day it's just not smart to make your body cycle go through that cycle or go through the so many hours as dehydrated as that. So if it's like a later afternoon weigh in, I'll usually save depending on when it is two to four pounds, I guess, um, for that, for the weigh in day. Um, but if it's super early, I will cut pretty much all of it. Sometimes I'll save like a pound or sometimes I'll go to bed like a pound over. Um, and you can, what's called float a pound when you sleep or sometimes when you wake up and pee mm -hmm. or if, God has blessed you that day and you take a dump and you drop another half pound, <laughs> yeah. then you're good to go. But, uh, no, you, uh, yeah, you, I don't know. I save, uh, usually a two to four if they're late, if they're early, I just cut it all the day before. So, so here's the question that I've always wondered whenever you're doing the weigh in, mm -hmm. do you feel weaker because you're so much lighter than you've been in camp? Like, do you feel depleted? Oh, for sure. You so feel does that, how does that like play with your mindset also? Yeah, no, it definitely, you have to just, it, again, it comes with experience. Like that's right. when you're at like your most vulnerable moment, I guess. You're like, if this random dude out standing <laughs> outside of Walmart doing some weird dance came up to me right now, the odds <laughs> of me being able to defend myself are slim to none. So how am I going to go fight? No, it's, yeah. but you, the more you do it, the more, whenever do, whenever that first sip of water hits, I wish I could describe or, or electrolytes or fruit or whatever. I wish I could describe really? what that feels like. Oh, it's just like this jolt through your body. And really? then the next hour or two goes by and you start getting water and you start getting carbs backing in your system. And you're like, what oh, are wait. you? Yeah. What are you eating? Right, like, like between the weigh in and the fight. So I'm usually for the first like three to four hours after, um, it's all fluids. It's, I'm usually smashing a shake that has a good bit of electrolytes in it. Not too, you want to dilute it a little bit, not too many electrolytes at once or else you'll get diarrhea and then you lose all the water that you tried to put back in. Hmm. Um, but you put, I have a shake that has, um, it's got all the electrolytes I need. It's got a good bit of water. It's got, um, a little bit of like simple sugar in it. It's got a little bit of caffeine in it and it's got, um, what else? I can't remember. Something else I put in it. Some magic stuff it. that you can't share with other yeah. people. <laughs> no, I think it's uh, what is it? Why am I amino acids? Amino okay. acids. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, but you'll do that for the first like four to six hours. 
Um, so it's not like you're not like eating a burger or something to no, jump no, it up. You don't. No, no. You it's don't. Like you're still burgers. staying very strict. Dude, all you crave when you're that dehydrated is just just fruit liquid and stuff. At least for me, really. Fruit. Yeah. Um, so then I'll I'll do that and introduce a little bit of fruit, and then usually I'd go smash hibachi at night. And, hibachi. Yeah. The night before the fight. Oh yeah. That's cool. Good simple carbs, a lot of salt, rice. Yeah. Meat vegetables all that feeling stuff. just jacked after that oh dude it goes on to the muscles <laughs> yes it's and great. so the next day the fight's usually in the evening or night right so mm-hmm. uh what are you eating that day do you fast for leading up to the fight or no i usually have a breakfast um i try to sometimes i can't exactly get the potatoes and eggs that sure. like i always make myself because you're like in monroe or somewhere yeah, yeah exactly or in vegas in a couple of weeks true true um but it'll uh, usually oatmeal or eggs and some fruit and toast or coffee and all that uh, for breakfast. Usually something kind of light for lunch, maybe like a, a wrap or um, rice and chicken or something okay. like that. And then usually about six hours out, I'll kind of mostly cut it. I'll have some coffee like on the way to the rules meeting. So maybe four hours out. Um, and then if I get really, really hungry, I'll have a banana or an apple or something, but I've already put all the carbs and all the energy and all that, that I need yeah. in the night before and the morning of, I guess. Yeah. So it's kind of right with that. Do you have, do you take anything? Um, well, walk me up like the 30 minutes before the fight. Cause you, I watch in the UFC, like you see the backstage video, they're in the locker room or in the back room or whatever, doing their shadow boxing stuff. Mm-hmm. And like they're, some of them are already sweating, getting ready and stretching out and gloved up and also take me through that process of like what the warm up is for whenever you take the walk. And then also if you're eating or taking a, like, do you take a shot of some caffeine or something to take get Take a shot of Jaeger, bro. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, that would I, be wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did fight. I have, that's a different story. Uh, back in the amateur days, but um, <laughs> I can only imagine what they do there. Yeah, bro. Um, no, pre-fight. Uh, I usually get there. I like. I don't know. I like kind of doing stuff. If we have teammates in the back, um, we just kind of talk with teammates. I'm usually stretching pretty early and pretty often. Um, I don't think I'll be able to do this at the UFC fights, but. I'd always kind of walk out of the locker room and go watch like an early fight or two um, just to kind of get the feel of the place and all and go walk back there, stretch some more, slowly start doing some, go from stretching to like uh, joint based kind of movements, I guess, like isolating my hip and, you know, working that joint okay, and yeah. everything kind of individually firing, then doing some like more slowly building up the pace, slowly start doing my own shadow boxing. Um, then somewhere around there, you start getting your hands wrapped, you get those good to go. And about 30 minutes out, I'm probably hitting, starting to get into the bulk of my warm up, the harder part, where you, you start, I start getting a pretty good sweat going. The heart rate's already kind of going pretty good. Um, and then once you get that sweat going, you hold it for maybe 10, 15 minutes, and then you kind of just kind of flow from there. And it's more just about not necessarily maintaining the sweat, but keeping your body warm and, yeah. and loose. It does seem like sometimes the, they like really do a like a hardcore warm up before a fight, almost to where it's like, are they wearing themselves out before the fight? I mean, but I guess you got to find the sweet spot, when right? Getting ready because you don't you don't want to go out there not sweating and then your heart has to get ramped up and right. and you have a round that you kind of aren't ready for it, you know. Um, but yeah, I have seen people go way into that other side. It's, yeah. it's more about you, you rev the engine, you, you kind of hit it, you get the sweat going and get then you, warm. you yeah. coax it, you know? Um, all right. I want to ask you a couple more questions about like the fighting, uh, but then some random UFC stuff. Sure. Um, 
the so when you're walking uh and i don't i've just seen mainly highlights and stuff so i'm not but the pro fights you've had have been like in a ring with people watching actually almost i, I wanted to come to the last one i think it was like biloxi or something whenever mm -hmm. you're fighting there i think it's to make it but so what's it like whenever you round the corner and they're like aj the ghost fletcher and like your people are like yelling the music's going like what does that feel like walking to the ring um I, I guess the better question is are you getting it hype? Like, is it hyping you or are you focused on, on the ring and kind of tuning out the crowd? You feel it for sure. Um, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a white noise in some ways. You can sense the level of the noise okay, maybe, but you're um, not really hearing it. Right. And you don't want to necessarily take it, at least for me, I don't take it in as positive or negative. Like if it's booze or cheers or whatever, you just sense the level. And for me, I'd always rather like some sort of like, I just want the level to be higher, whether it's bad energy, good energy. I just want the energy to be there, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, so the worst is like a dead room if you walk yeah. in. <laughs> I mean, you, you do it, like you still have your, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, I don't even think it's necessarily a dead room. You just want there to be like, you want that feeling to be there, you yeah. know? You don't even necessarily have to have people in there. You just, there's gotta be some weight to it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's gotta be for a title. It's gotta be for a fight like, you know, I'm getting ready to do. It's gotta have some stakes on the line. Yeah. Um, or it's gotta have those cheers, whatever. Um, yeah. But as far as like that feeling, you're, how do you, how would I describe it? It's like, a, um, I don't know, an emptying and a filling kind of thing almost. Like a, there's one part of my thought processes that just completely like they're put on the back burner. They're like there. It's, have you ever seen the movie Pacific Rim? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, I'll use the analogy. Um, <laughs> so it. It. I, I'll, I'll describe it. So Pacific Rim, there's the idea is like you, we have these human made robots and they go fight these Godzilla looking things in the ocean. Okay. Okay. The, I think I've seen the trailer. For yeah. That. Yeah. I never saw it. But. The, the robots, the, the mental capacity it takes, you're hooked up neurally to these robots and the mental capacity it takes is too much for one person. So you have two people side by side that operate each side of the robot. Um, and you sync up with those robots and the, the compatibility of the two people has, you know, implications on how good the robot performs okay. and all that. Makes the sense. best way I can describe it is there's two parts of you in there and there's one that kind of takes, at least for me, there's one that kind of takes like a back seat and is like still kind of there, but he's, he's not driving the ship. There's a new dude in there who's like, he's a savage. He goes in there and he's, he's ready to do, you know, damage. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very somber about it. Very, I say he, like it's not me, but it, it's me. It's just a different part of <laughs> myself that yeah. I allow to kind of, you know, take over. Sure. Um, and so yeah, is that, is that something that was, that, is that something that happened the first time you walked into it or no. is that something you've crafted? For sure. Something I think I've, I don't know if I've necessarily crafted it. I think it's always kind of been in there. I've, I've definitely refined it though and okay. understood its place and understood its place outside of fighting as well. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's all, it's all you, but it just feels like your different percentages of, of you go right. in there. I is guess. it almost like out of body a little bit? There really is to some extent for sure. Like, um, yeah, it, that sounds extreme. That sounds whatever. No, but it, do, it, do, it doesn't sound extreme at all to me. I mean, you're in there fighting to the death. Like it's gotta feel a little weird. Yeah, for sure. Well, it weird, but also like great in some way, the whole emptying and filling thing. It's like, there's a certain party that just, you don't have to worry about all this random bullshit going on now yeah. it's 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 a freeing it's a you're going into a cage and you're having the the chains unshackled in some ways it's right. uh i don't know you're free to just do whatever in there and you know 
you, you can relish it. You can, you can hide from that with all the eyes on you, or you can, you can relish it and, you know, kind of take that in and soak it in and, and feel all those feelings, but understand that like, this is the thing that we, this is what it is. Like right. take them in and, and feel it. Don't be, don't try to put those things off. You That's know? cool. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine the, I wish I had a better way to describe it. I thought that was really great. Good. I mean, okay. I, I was, I, it, it made sense to me. Not that I could imagine how it is because I haven't done it, but it, that makes sense uh, how it must be. What's a, all right, one more. Cause it's still, again, I'm kind of like prying a little bit, trying to understand yeah, please do. the you're mindset and everything. Too. And you're doing a great job explaining it, of course. But the, whenever you like, you've finished seven of your eight fights with mm-hmm. like, you finished it. And by that you mean like knockout or the ref stopped you from pounding the guy, right? Or a submission or whatever. Or a submission. Okay. So, but that, but it's like a, it's like a moment, like it's like a one second millisecond moment where it's fight, but then it's the millisecond and it's victory. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're just like jacked and running and jumping on the fence and screaming. Is there a way to describe how that feels or what you're thinking at that moment? The power. <laughs> no, dude, it's uh, that is that moment. It's very. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it, but the but the the power you feel, I guess, the the re- relief in some ways, the right. um, the jubilation, the exhaustion, a lot of times too. But there's just like a rush of, you yeah. know, um, like and, you could punch a hole in a, like in a wall or run, yeah, run through a wall. Exactly. Dude. And a lot of, I don't know, I like this about my fights, but a lot of them haven't been like, they haven't been the like starch UKOs, like out cold. They've right. been the, 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 the just constant beating, the, just the breaking. So a lot of my finishes, even submissions, I feel like have just, I don't know, dude, that this is maybe a little sadistic, but the part of me that <laughs> I, the part of whenever I go in there, the, the, the savage part of me that, that, that likes the fight the most the part i like the most about it is like the breaking of somebody's will like the starch dkos are great but like did you like could they rematch you and beat you right most of my knockouts and wins i feel like have been they've been emphatic over yeah it's just been domination like it's it's a very like I've taken a lot of their will and they've, right. they've given me a submission. They've looked for a way out. They've like, you, uh, did, you didn't just catch them. Right. You proved that you dominated them. Exactly. And the, I don't know, for me, those are the performances that like, Oh yeah, I like that one. Mm-hmm. You know, the domination, there wasn't, there was no just luck. There was no, it's, you're getting dominated. And I, I left that night with your will. And you know, if you saw me on the street, you know, if we fought again, that I took your will that night and you have to go in there and fight me again, knowing that I've yeah. got your will in my back pocket. Okay, so let's use that as somewhat of a transition and uh, into more of like UFC in general because I want to ask you about like a few people. I would be remiss to not ask you about some of the stars of UFC and like your opinion and take because you know the backside of it that most people don't like me. So using that though, um, and we'll use Dustin Poirier as an example because from what, again, peripherally peripherally following uh, over the past few years, but he... Um, fought Conor McGregor the first time like years ago mm-hmm. and got rocked basically after this whole build up and talking trash and like all that stuff. Uh, but then came back earlier, not this most recent one, but earlier this year mm-hmm. came in and just beat Conor. So you talk about, like you just talked about going in these fights and feeling like you were, you take somebody's will from a fight. Where, how does somebody at that level where, I assume Poirier felt like that after the first fight, like his will was taken and Connor just beat him. But then he came back years later and 
rocked them. So how does, how does somebody do that? How do, how do, I know this is a very big and vague question and it's not no, a probably good question, but, um, is it, is it an innate fire inside of somebody that you can't teach that they just, it just, I guess for lack of a better phrase, separates the men from the boys. Like some people just can do it. Like, what is that? process as a There's, fighter coming back from something like that so two things i think i think connor and dustin's first fight was a little bit different and that dustin got i think he got caught more than he got his it was early in the fight it was he got caught with a good shot and connor landed it was like three strikes just in a blink of an eye that kind of uh -huh. got it done so i don't think dustin necessarily like broke in that first fight so he had a little bit different kind of stance going into the next one um the other thing with that is like time heals everything, dude. And if you stay in that game long enough, you're going to find that thing again for the most part. Uh -huh. um, and I don't think Dustin necessarily had to find it again. I think he just refined his technique over, over five years or, or whatever when the next time they met was. Now, on the flip side, the last two fights, I think Dustin absolutely stole Connor's will. I think he stole yeah. it leading up to the fight when he, McGregor recognized that, oh, the good guy personality that I think he was trying to mimic Dustin on as some good PR after he hit an old guy in a bar. But I think, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, I think in some ways he stole it then and then he stole it in the fight, bro. He, I mean, he, that's, Dust, that's what Dustin does. That's, our, that's the Louisiana Gladiators kind of style. That's, like, that's what we do. We go in there to fight and we go in there to break you and we go in there to go forward and go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And yeah, I think um, as far as coming back from it, I don't know that those are what that's like, that's the, every, every person, every champion, every successful person like that has been put in that situation before. I won't necessarily say like, there's a way of losing a fight for in it going all the way or it not going all the way and not having your will stolen mm -hmm. um, or not feeling like you looked for a way out, not feeling like you gave up on yourself or the situation. Um, and kind of like I was saying earlier, if you go back and you, you look at that fight and you analyze it with a fine-tooth comb as to what could you have learned if you still have your will intact. And even if you didn't, even if you have a, a weak moment where you're like, oh, damn, I did, I did look for a way out. As long as you try to build off of that and don't stay there, don't you know, relish it, not relish in it, but just you know, squander it and yeah. ponder on it too much, it, you can build off of it. It's, it. You can use it as a lesson or you can just use it as your grave. You know, it's, mm -hmm. I don't know. There's not, even if that does happen, you could, there's a way of coming back from it. You Got know? it. Got it. Yeah. Just not staying there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel like the, do you feel like a type of person that could line up against anything and overcome it? Or uh, is it uh, like a fighter in every sense of the word? Or do you excel at what you're doing now because you love that so much? Or is it, do you kind of relish the struggle of you overcoming the hardships of it you've got like that's the sport like that's what we're in like that's the that's what sports do in general that's why we like them so much that's it's the theater of the the physical realm you know and um as far yeah i mean i definitely uh i don't know i i, I conquered biology you know in some ways I, yeah, I've, sure. I've conquered opponents and conquered myself in a lot of ways um and in a lot of ways i haven't um but I, uh, I do, I do have, I do think I have my back, if that makes sense in yeah. a lot of situations. Um, if it's something I'm completely new at, if it's something I have very little experience at, I don't mind like letting myself look like a fool and fail. Like I tell that to my little kids class all the time. Like if I'm showing you something new, like don't be shy about like doing it. Don't be shy about the questions I have. Like I'm asking you all to answer and all this about the technique. Like 
let yourself look like a fool. That's literally the first step to like learning. It's just messing it up. You're not going to be good at it the first time you try it. So if I, I'll say this, if it's something I want to do and something I'm passionate and I care about, then I do think that given enough time, I will be successful at it. I, I don't think I'm one of these guys. It's never happened like this in my sports. It's never happened like this for me in MMA. It's never, I've never been the natural. I've never been, people say I'm athletic and all this right now, but mm -hmm. if you look at me back in high school, I was definitely not the most athletic looking kid. I was always big and strong or whatever, but I wasn't, I didn't have the athleticism I have right now nearly. It, I built myself into it. I, I didn't know MMA in general. I built myself into it. I, as in football, I wasn't one of these big, naturally, physically gifted guys. I had to learn, I had to learn how to read plays, how to read offensive linemen, how to make smart angles, how to tackle properly. I had to learn all these things because I'm not one of those natural things. But if you, if you give me enough time, I do think I'm one of those people that if they like it, if they're passionate about it, they will figure out how to be successful cool. in it. That's so good too. Like, not being worried about looking like a fool trying to figure it out. That's a great tip. I wanted to ask you too, how, what, do you have any conscious tips that you could share on how you're so disciplined? And I mean, two a day workouts, six days a week, nutrition, not cheating, not going and getting a burger or, you know, that like messes stuff up. Do you have any, are you consciously keeping yourself disciplined in those things or is it more natural or? At the big, like, I mean, it's with anything at the beginning, there's more of a struggle part to it. Like you, one, you just don't know what you don't know. And mm -hmm. two, it's for me, like my life and my diet and my training and a lot of these things didn't look like they look now at the beginning. It was okay. Let me, it, it's gotta be step by step. You can't go like jump in the deep end without even knowing how to like do a little doggy paddle with some floats mm -hmm. on. Like you gotta, you got a doggy paddle for a little bit. You've got to like, at least just take a step and then be open. Once you take that step, if you do like it, okay, analyze, look, who's at step number two, right? It does me no good to look at step number 98, whenever there's a hundred steps and right. see somebody way down the line and see this like Titan of a person that is just so successful and it seems so natural for him. There's no point in looking down there, at least not right now. You can have that as like a goal as something you want to be, but in terms of if you really want to like kind of do something, look at like the people who are right around you in your community at step number two or step number three, or just, uh, just a little bit ahead of you and start looking at little things that they're doing that people later down the line are also kind of doing or said they've done and yeah. just try to learn from them and see if you can do some of those things. Um, see if you can make, start carving out, even if it's just like two hours a week to like do something you like want to get good at or want to get better at, or want to understand like, carve out like the littlest piece of time. And then like, once you carve that time out, like you can build on it. You're not, you have a foundation now. You have something that, okay, maybe one week I'll add an extra hour, but the next week I'll just, I'll stay, I'll stay down with them one right. or two hours, right? right? And you slowly just build it like that. And then it starts, at least for me, MMA started getting to something that I could provide for myself for. So then it started becoming like a positive feedback loop where now the more time I put into it, the more time I'm like able to get from it too. Right. And it, Try to build your life into those positive feedback loops where what you're doing capitalizes and helps you with what you love and what you're trying to build into. But don't understand that it's not going to be that positive feedback loop in the beginning. There's going to be some sacrifice. There's going to be some not eating certain foods and it feels uncomfortable. There's going to be some being hungry, maybe. There's going to be some trying foods out that you don't necessarily like. There's going to be some putting yourself in, in weird situations and sitting through a boring lecture because some dude <laughs> didn't know, you know, he wasn't talking about what you were really into, yeah. you know, like, but 
you just, I don't know, take those little steps and don't look so far ahead to somebody who's already successful and think you can't do it because they're 70 steps ahead of you. Yeah. You know? How long have you, so at this point, you've been seven years in, six years? Think it, Yeah, six years about. Yeah, that's not like a short timetable by no. any means. No. Um, <laughs> okay, I, it's like three, but I, there's three? like more. I know you said you have all the time, but I don't want to take all your time yeah. on a Sunday, on your off day. Good, bro. Um, What's the, I, I did want to ask about the, like kind of the economics of this, uh, because you're a professional fighter, um, as we've established. Uh, but you know, at any, I mean, unless you're the top of the top, especially in the fighting game, like there's a lot of athletes, pro athletes in other sports that make good live air quotes, good livings. Mm -hmm. But even in the fight game, like I was just listening to a podcast recently about, and somebody was saying that fighters should get paid more. Like some of the, even the top guys don't, aren't getting what they potentially could, I guess, from UFC or and otherwise. So what, uh, and you mentioned that you were in, you were in school having the work to pay rent, still dedicating all this time because you were going 100% into fighting. Mm -hmm. So since you got out of school, um, how have you been keeping the train going and supporting yourself doing this? Uh, cause you've had eight fights mm -hmm. and I imagine that hopefully you've got some prize money from the fights and stuff, but I mean, it's not millions of dollars, not no, yet. So not. what's the, what does that look like for a fighter? Like, cause you, the physical struggle is one, but that's still part of it. You still have to yeah. pay your bills and stuff. That's just, that can be a struggle for people also. Yeah. So, uh, as far as the pay and all, um, generally your, your, your pro debut, I'll put this out there. You're generally going to make 500 and 500. So 500 to show up and 500 to win from then on, it can kind of go up and it'll usually rest. I don't know. COVID's kind of messed things up with attendance at shows and all. Right. So now it's sitting like even lower, pretty consistently from what I understand. Um, but anywhere from 500 and 500 to on the upper side of some regional shows, maybe 2000 and 2000. Um, and if you've got a manager that's getting you that fight, a certain percentage is going to him, a yeah. certain percentage is probably going to taxes. If you've got gym fees, if you've got to buy equipment, if you've got to go travel to get some training, if you've got to um, buy a plane ticket for one of your extra cornermen to come down, um, if you've got to buy supplements, if you've got to buy a lot of these things, you yeah, know? Right. Um, so one way, one way you can kind of, I guess, get by and, and have some help is through local sponsors. That mm. stuff helps out a ton. It goes mm. a long way getting essentially your show money from somebody, you know, and yeah, it helps a lot. Um, because if you, if you are a young fighter and you're really trying to like kind of go after this, you've got to be content with being broke and that a lot of your time is going to be spent with your own training. That's not necessarily the most lucrative thing. You're going to have other expenses and you're also, um, you have, to, there's a lot of other things outside of the class, class setting and training schedule that you have to do to build into it, to, to really put your whole life into it. And, um, yeah, I, uh, what, what was it? Was it, was it how, or? Yeah. Just like, I mean, that's a great explanation of it, but the, I mean, cause you have, I mean, I, I assume you have, well, like elephant elephant was a sponsor of yours. Yeah. And I think the house uh, is mm -hmm. your buddy that's a sponsor, but mm -hmm. just kind of understanding how somebody can simultaneously go through this oh. extreme physical struggle but then also it's it can be a struggle because you have so much time dedicated in the gym yeah. they're not paying you to work out like that you have to win your fights to get paid and things like that uh so then you also have to work you know on top of that or get sponsors or yeah. that sort of thing 
So for me, I try to, if you, fighting, it can be, it's, it's, it's not really, it, it can be a career for sure, but you have to see it as more of like a platform, right? So you have to build okay. your uh, other, I guess, ways of supporting yourself around that. For me, I do like t-shirts that helps out a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. um, at the beginning, that when I started doing t-shirts, I was just like making my money back and I would, I take the money I make for my, my fight money and try to put it back into like the business side of me, if you will. Yeah. I take it and put it on an order for shirts. I take it and I have um, these little videos that help promote my fights and also help leave a little, hopefully a little breadcrumbs for people trying to do their own thing um, to do. So I take my fight purse and put it into that. That's what a lot of the sponsor money and all would go to as well. Um, and then in terms of how I pay my bills and all, it's, it's, I try to figure out like the least amount I need that mm -hmm. I can get by with. And, uh, teach private lessons and teach kids classes. And, cool. and I've built my life into kind of like that. But yeah. um, as far as the fight money, I try to, I could maybe have a little bit more things, I guess, if I didn't put it back into the business. But right now for me, if I look at my MMA career, I'm in like a grassroots kind of business thing mm -hmm. at this point. So yeah, I think that's just, a really cool you know. part of it too. Cause it like also that weeds out people who aren't serious about it, you know, sure. who aren't actually dedicated to doing it. and that's a whole nother realm of discipline that you have to like you can't go you you know you can't go spend money on a new whatever like you have to use it for something else you have to yeah. use it to pay rent to get through so anyway I, I was curious about what that kind of looked like again being unfamiliar with the, the process of because all I see is Conor McGregor's got millions of dollars, you know, yeah. or like this guy's oh, that's, got whatever okay, yeah, and like, you know, all that stuff, but you got to get there. That's, right. you know, because I've heard the stories of even Conor McGregor, like, you know, back and I keep saying it cause he's the most famous guy, but, uh, even back when he was struggling and like that whole process, I was curious about what that kind of looked like. Um, okay. Th all right. So I want to hear your thoughts on like who your heroes are of MMA, uh, like, did you, did you grow up watching certain guys and like really loving certain guys, loving the way certain guys operate, fighting styles, maybe? Here's some of those people for you. I was never, growing up, I was never like super, super into, like it was, I was still pretty young when MMA was kind of really just first starting to like blossom up. I remember the, the ultimate fighter fight between uh, Chael, not Chael Sonnen, uh, Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin. Okay. And I thought Forrest Griffin was the coolest thing for the longest time. Yeah. Um, and I still do. I think he's, he's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah he's a G. <laughs> uh, and I remember rampage. I was big on rampage, rampage Jackson, Jackson only because he had that cool how, and we had the UFC video game and me and my brothers would play each other. And rampage had that like slam where he could pick people up and slam them down. Nice. And I beat my <laughs> older brother like that. And he got super pissed because all I would do is that slam. Yeah. And, uh, so I remember being a fan of rampage for that. And then I remember the first UFC, I, I think I saw, was Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell. I think their second oh, fight. Wow. And I was a big fan of, I didn't really like Tito too much at the time, but yeah. I like Chuck a lot. Um, and then now, in terms of now, like Dustin's a super cool guy. It's, it, you know, it's, I guess, I, I don't know if I put him up there as a hero. He just seems like a normal dude, but like, yeah. you know, that's what, that's what heroes are. They're, they're humans, right? They're, right. they're people who make themselves available to people around them and improve what's around them. They don't live on this pedestal that, you know, they keep themselves up at. Um, I had a lot of my like super early childhood heroes were like other sports figures, I guess, like soccer, football players and stuff like that. Um, you know, yeah. Who are some of those people? 
Ray Lewis was a big one. I was a linebacker. And, right. you know, obviously outside of the, I had no idea what he was doing outside of the field. I don't know if that's even like a thing anymore, but, <laughs> right. uh, he's a pretty inspirational guy yeah, on, yeah, on the yeah, field for sure. Yeah, yeah, he does for cool sure. dances and all fun yeah, to watch. Yeah. And he was um, a monster. Yeah. yeah. I remember Troy Polamalu was pretty, pretty cool to yeah. watch. Uh, I just had like, I was just a fan of a lot of like sports athletes in general, I guess. Yeah. Um, Mike Tyson was cool. Mike Tyson. It's cool. Yeah, I, I love watching Mike Tyson highlight videos oh, dude, from back best. in the day. That dude, he could, he is, he does hit like a Mack truck. Like Absolutely. It's a truck hitting you. Um, what's, do you think uh, the fight coming up, the, this, you know, air quote celebrity type fight, Jake Paul boxing and Ty, uh, Tyron Woodley? Yeah. Tyron yeah. who's going to win? I think Tyron, I hope Tyron, bro. I you hope think? Tyron. Look, here's the thing on Jake Paul. He's <laughs> he's not bad. He's not a bad boxer. He really isn't. Yeah. But I would classify He looks like him, a legit boxer to me. Yeah, dude. I would classify him as a good amateur boxer. Okay. Okay, but because of all the he, he's able to generate so much hype, Insane. so much eyeballs and all that. Right. It's, he's a professional fighter that is getting the status of a Floyd Mayweather, getting the stat, you know, but his skills is is probably an amateur boxer. Um the first dude he fought uh, was KS? No, that was his brother. Logan fought KSI, and then Jake Paul fought Nate KSI's brother, right? Oh, okay, maybe so. Oh, I the other remember. guy. Oh, I think I know you're talking about. Nate, he fought the first dude. One of the dudes he fought that was really early was Nate Robinson, a basketball guy. Right. He was bigger yes. than him by like four inches and like thirty pounds. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't even even not knowing anything that doesn't impress me, dude. Like that's just pick on somebody your own size, you yeah. know. So then he fought Ben Askren, right. and at least Ben Askren had done like some MMA and. You know, boxing was definitely never his thing. There's actually like, I right. don't know, I've heard people say <laughs> that like he would train boxing as little to like get by as he could. Um, and then I know he had a hip replacement before like the fight, <laughs> like with a year or two before the fight. Yeah. Um, and those things aren't the greatest. Um, but at least it was, an, you had to give him his credit. Like it was an MMA fighter that he beat. Mm-hmm. Um, now going into Tyron Woodley, I hope like, you know, Tyron's, he was a champion, but he, his last few fights, he hasn't looked all that great but the dude's a dog mm-hmm. the dude is an absolute animal if he beats tyron and like act like really punishes him i'll be i'll be, be impressed. impressed i'll be yeah. on the i'll be on the little i won't be on the bandwagon i'm not a fan <laughs> of the dude but i'll be like okay all right yeah i can't say anything now, right you know do you think you could beat jake paul in a boxing match i would hope so <laughs> i would hope so i don't even know how big he is though he's a big he, boy he's like he's big. and he's athletic and i think he wrestled in high school he pretty did, yeah, uh yeah. pretty well uh okay enough about the the celebrity thing. What uh, what's some of the exciting? Who are some of the exciting UFC fighters like right now to watch? Ooh, I love watching. Uh, I mean, Dustin's always fun to watch. Every single one looks yeah. he's in looks like a car crash. Uh, <laughs> honestly, dude, I like watching McGregor all the way up through his come up, and mm-hmm. then you know he kind of has fallen off since then. Um, let's see. I like a lot of like lower tier guys too there's a guy named gavin tucker who's like some canadian kickboxer i like watching a lot francis Ngannou, if people don't know is an yeah. absolute savage he's the first person i saw whenever i went to the ufc little performance institute thing really first person i see is francis Ngannou hitting pads and it sounds like just thunder going off that's dude. crazy um, that dude is literally a monster yeah he's a whole tank yeah whole tank he's huge um who else do I like watching? Zhang Wei Li, that girl Rose fought. Yeah. I like watching Rose. There's a lot. I don't know. I'm a fan of like the technicians and the uh, savages, I guess. And if there's a blend of those two, that's what I like watching. Cool. You know, not the, there's, yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Can we watch the fight that you're going to be? Or is it closed door type thing? Are they going to uh, have people there? And then are they going to like be broadcasting? They have people there. But from what I understand, it's like 
very, very limited capacity. Oh, like yeah. we each so got, I can't like buy a ticket. If, no, we yeah. each got like a few tickets and give them out to family or whatever. Right. And that's about it. Uh, is, so is it going to be, you have to get UFC fight pass or something? For It'll be not UFC fight pass. If you have the ESPN plus subscription, it I should be do. on there. There you go. Sweet. Actually, yeah. I was forced to buy it whenever I bought the Logan Paul or one of those. No, I think it was Connor's fight. Uh -huh. Connor and Dustin's fight. Yeah. It made me sign up. That was a deal though. ESPN from what I remember. Plus. I know, but I didn't want the ESPN plus. I just wanted the fight. Well, now you got it, but bro. now I got it. I can watch yeah. AJ. I think if you August have 31st. Hulu, you can watch. I, I could be wrong on Hulu, but I think you can okay. watch it. So like it should be on ESPN plus though. Yeah. 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 Sweet. Yeah. I would definitely check it out. Um, and it's five fights in one night. Mm -hmm. Do you know like what time? I want to say they'll probably kick the probably six down there, so probably about eight our time. Right, so um, probably like eight to ten or something. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Cool. Uh, sweet. I don't. I, I guess like I mean, there's probably a million more questions I could ask you, but don't want to hold you all day. Uh, what's your so we're in the sprint for the last two weeks. So starting tomorrow, Monday. What's your game plan for tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow I have to go get an eye exam at eleven. Oh, nice. So I will probably. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably, uh, maybe cardio tomorrow morning. We'll kind of see. It's either cardio or a cardio kind of based technique workout, if that makes sense. Jump rope, um, yep. light, but fast shadow boxing and rounds and just a lot of movement in general tomorrow morning. Um, I exam at 11. And then uh, we have like a hard wrestling practice tomorrow night. That's going to be probably like live rounds. Um, I'll probably have some teammates that are like, they're not gonna be like going super hard with me. They're gonna be like trying to make sure they're keeping me safe and all that, but right. they're giving me a look. They're letting me run through situations. They're putting me in bad situations and um, punches are kind of toned down for the most part for this last couple weeks. Um, it's, uh, yeah, that's kind of what Monday's gonna look like. Cool. And then this whole week is, you know. And you're currently on pace for your weight and everything. Got the got that working? We are sitting like right on the dot with my little goals I had each week. So nice. it looks Staying perfect. Staying on schedule. That's it, dude. Um, I'm hoping to put the, I'm hoping to post this like the Monday before-ish. Today's the 15th, so 16 days from now. So yeah, so I'm hoping to post it the Monday right before. Okay. Uh, like in prep. So, but I did want to ask you, like, what's your strategy going into fighting this guy? I mean, well, he's I not give gonna away listen. All my he's not gonna get listen to this podcast, but just give me like I guess the general kind of take of what you're thinking through at the moment. Um, I don't know. This is a guy. Leonardo's tough, man. He's uh he's a, he's, gonna be, he's gonna be a strong guy like me, um, muscled up fella. Um, I fought guys like that in the past. From what I've seen on film, he looks like he's a he's got a good boxing base, good hands, hard throws hard hands, not too much volume, so it's more one, two, three shots at a time. Um, his movement is very boxer based it looks very i want to say straightforward but it's it's kind of like a plodding motion to get in um he likes he can bull rush you kind of to put you in the cage and he's got a decent wrestling base and decent groundwork as well um as far as what i want to do in this fight <laughs> i uh dominate <laughs> yeah well exactly i uh, i don't have again i have a loose framework i know yeah. certain things that'll be there i know a certain style i want to fight okay um and i've it's not even like i replicate that in in camp it's, it's like i do it and then it's i just do it in higher percentages and okay. then i you know go out there and and replicate that but um yeah i leonardo's good everywhere for sure but i just I think I blend those pieces and I think my, my tools are a little bit sharper, if okay. that makes sense. I yeah. think he's going to go in there and try to nail in a hammer or 
you know, punch in a nail with a screwdriver and I'm going to have a nail for that. I'm going to have a screwdriver for the job that it needs to be done. Yeah. I'm going to have all my tools for the allotted jobs and whatever job looks like it needs to be done that night is, is going to get done. Cool. What's your, I did, I meant to ask you this a little earlier, but didn't, but what is your general, I mean, I've kind of gathered that you're more of a stand up striker kind of person, but what is your kind of general style in fighting? Yeah. I like kicking people in the head, but okay. I also see the value in how my game has progressed. I see the value in taking them down, being on top of them and making them feel like they're moving in cement, squeezing all their muscles while they're getting punched in the face with a jackhammer. So <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I like kicking people. I like punching people. I like not getting into wars, but being technical. And then if I have to call that dog out, I call that dog out. Um, but I don't know. I like mixing it all together. And there's, I don't want to give this away too much, yeah, but there's certain pieces of the fight and certain times in the fight when you want to do certain things. Right. And I'm good at doing those certain things and playing the game of MMA, if you will. Um, and I'm, I don't know, I'm good at tactics as well. I understand how to use something early in the fight so that it creates openings late in the fight. Okay, cool. Um, I won't get into those specifics, sure. but like I've got my little, my little framework and I've, that's my style is my, my framework that I take in and then, based on the movements, based on what they like to do. I, I adapt that little framework. And, and I have seen things. a couple of like the spinning, I don't know what they're called, but like spinning back kicks or whatever. No, like one guy you kick. caught on the back of the crown of his head with your heel, looked pretty yeah. wicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's in there. Oh, I just had another question that I was going to ask. Oh, okay. So this is out of curiosity more in general, but when you're watching these guys fighting, just, you know, anybody, uh, mainly when they're kind of standing up and striking, mm-hmm. uh, and not just at the very beginning, but throughout the fight. I mean, are those guys like, whenever somebody throws like a combo punch, are they just like letting it rip every time? Is it like 100% power on all these punches that they're throwing and kicks and everything? So here's, here's there's, there's a couple of philosophies of it. Somebody like Leonardo is going to let a lot of that power go early. He's going to let a lot of... Um, a lot of his shots are power shots for sure. Okay. There's also other guys, like if you look at Nate Diaz, he's putting 30%, 40% on each of his punches, but he's putting 50 of them together. It's, right. it's a volume-based okay. striking. Then there's also other ones who kind of blend that style, and that's what I would more classify myself up as. You, you build into your power. So you, you start your combination, and your first few shots are 30, 40%. And then in that combination, they defend. And whenever they do their defense, it creates an opening somewhere. And you build your power with light shots that may or may not land, but create openings. And then you, after, like later in your combos, you dig into power shots that have come open by the, okay. by the early sense. shots, if that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, because I figure if you, I mean, I imagine if you go out there and, and just throw haymakers, you're going to be gassed pretty quick. Yeah, that was me in my first fight. <laughs> right, okay. But but even like a 40% punch, I mean, it damages you. Like, oh, you can't just you're, you're brush it off. swinging little gloves, dude. Right, you right. know, it's it doesn't take much. Right, you know? cool. Yeah, I was curious of the, the intricacies of that and how much each punch is kind of taking some out of you and... When do people get cut? Like when, when you got cut, what was it that, like how does a, how does a padded glove cut somebody? I would say it's usually it's the, the thinner part, like the thinner skin parts of the face, so around the eye, like the eyebrows, um, under the eyes sometimes, bridge of the nose will do it, um, but mostly like right above the eyes, could be around the, the side right here. Um, and a lot of times elbows are really good at cutting. Obviously right, there's no okay. pads, uh, right. kicks will do it sometimes. Um, but it's just, it's, I mean, it's, it's like if you were to run your head into a wall there, or run your head into some hard object, it's just from that hard object kind of pressing on that tight skin, that thin yeah. skin and it just splits it open. Yeah. 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 
Gotcha. Cool. Uh, sweet. Dude, I thank you so much for hanging yeah. out. Um, this was awesome. Carl said he was going to leave, but he's still sitting back there listening. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, cool, man. I appreciate it. I'll let you go. But thank you. Uh, August 31st, this hopefully will come out right before that, so you got a big fight then. Uh, and then what's your YouTube channel and, like, Instagram and all that stuff? So on Instagram and Facebook, I think if you type in – on Instagram, I think it's AJ underscore Fletcher MMA. On Facebook, I think if you just type in AJ Fletcher MMA, my little page will come up. And then uh, YouTube should be AJ Fletcher MMA as well. And you do you're doing videos and stuff, right? Ghost stories on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, I can go into that a little for real Please, quick yeah. if you want. So ghost stories is like, uh, again, that's what a lot some of my sponsor money would go to, um, and it's just like it's. I found value in in seeing videos and stuff of successful people way back when they were in their beginning and that motivated me and inspired me and taught me a lot of things that I was able to apply to my field that helped me in the long run. So the ghost stories or the little videos I put out are my way to help other people who are coming after me and, you know, trying to give that little bit of knowledge just by sharing what, you know, is true for me um, that they can pick up on. And it's also my way of like documenting what I'm doing right now and seeing it when I go back like if I ever end up in a position like Conor McGregor hopefully I'll look back in my early interviews see why I'm doing it see you know what my purpose was see what my plan was and I can readjust accordingly if I ever go off of whatever way this is or whatever yeah. um and yeah that's kind of the idea with the videos and also MMA is a platform you don't want your you want you want mailbox money you want things that you, you don't want your livelihood to depend on if you win or if mm -hmm. you don't win this fight um so it's also a way of using the MMA platform as a side money making kind of thing I mm -hmm. guess it makes absolutely nothing right now but again it's in the grassroots right. just in the growing building part. the brand and raising the awareness and things like that exactly so it's kind yeah. of a, they're a multi-purpose thing and then hopefully they're a way of of you know, inspiring and documenting and, yeah, and cool. eventually, you know, yeah. Love it. So what's, uh, so you're going to be the welterweight champion of the UFC? That is the plan. That About is the plan? Five or six years, I reckon. Nice. How many Taking fights nice would stuff. that be? I'm hoping, I don't know. I know uh, you can't be as active. Well, from what I understand, you can't be as active in the UFC. Maybe you can, but um, they have to kind of set up fights and they have to do the ones that make sense and all that. But I'm hoping to get in five to six years, if I could do three to four fights a year, that would be pretty good. That's a lot. That's a lot. Of yeah. Money. But that's how you get better though. You gotta, right. you gotta stay in there. You know, right. obviously injuries and stuff happen, but that's, I like to be an active guy. I, yeah. I don't want to be one of these guys that sits on the sidelines and all and, and cool. waits for just the right opportunity. Right. Um, yeah. So you'll take anybody, anybody. Yeah. But there's, you have to like, look like I'm not going to call for the title shot after my first, <laughs> sure, sure. you know, you're going to sure. build into it. And sure. the idea with 15 to 16 fights is, I'm climbing my way up that ladder rather than jumping up, you know, after each win, jumping up 10 spots and trying to make some like real flash in the pan kind of thing of it. Let me, let me build myself. Let me, uh, let me, let me fight guys that are one or two spots above me. Let right. me fight. It's not to say I don't think I can, I can beat guys ahead of me. I think I, my skills stack up with a lot of the best in the world right now. And a lot of good guys in the UFC, it's just, I want to have that, that long career, that, that, building career that has a ton of fights people can go back and watch and has a ton of uh, a ton of experience and there's there's a long list of guys whenever I start making that title run that you can say I've beaten yeah that, you know those wins mature into to really good wins yeah you know? that's cool well sweet man can't wait to watch the fight and 
wishing you the best of luck. Sounds like you're super prepared and ready to rock. Uh, and it's fun watching your highlights and stuff. So I got to make sure I share the video with Carl too. He's going to love it, but oh, we'll be watching. So thanks again, AJ. This was awesome. Uh, hope maybe we can do it again at some point, but it's, it was really cool getting in the mind and understanding that world. So really appreciate it. Thank you, bro. Thank you for downloading and listening to this podcast. Thanks a lot again, AJ, for hanging out. Uh, go give AJ a follow on Instagram. His handle is AJ underscore Fletcher MMA. He also has a Facebook fan page that you can follow. And check out his YouTube channel. Just search AJ Fletcher. He's got a great series on there called Ghost Stories. I think we mentioned it in the episode. Some really well done and cool videos to uh, to follow his journey. So go check those out. And don't forget to watch him on August 31st in the UFC Contender Series. And thank you again for downloading this episode. If you liked it, consider sharing it with a friend or maybe leaving a rating on iTunes. Those are always amazing. And I will see you on the next one.